What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Ship Podcast, episode 114. Uh, and today we're talking about beards. <laughs> so I was made aware of a young lieutenant uh, that was posting like Instagram reels and stuff while participating in a new uh, beard study that has just wrapped, I believe, and is on its way, if it's not already, on the SecNav's desks desk desks i don't know maybe he has more than one that was a typo verbally uh <laughs> that uh it was interesting like first of all i like i think a lot of people have heard of what and, and don't quote me on this but i believe the naval safety center did a survey or study or whatever uh, a few years ago it's a pretty recent um where they came to some conclusion that uh you couldn't get a face seal if you had a beard i'm sure that you know there's more granularity there i'm sure it's like beard lengths and all this other stuff but it was what everybody was pointing at when they put the kibosh on whether or not we could have beards in the military and uh particularly the navy the navy side of the house um and so i, I was immediately intrigued when big navy was like deciding it wanted to do another beard study i was like but why and like because they just did so i'm like hmm something's going on here <laughs> somebody's motivated to get some damn beards so uh when i saw the um the reel i immediately reached out to him and i was like hey i would love to talk about this stuff and so we did and it was an awesome conversation where um obviously he can't like he can only tell you what he what he knows directly and then speculate on you know how kind of how he feels about where it's going but um very very interesting and i'm very uh i'm very much looking forward to seeing this study hit the second desk and then seeing what happens next but he gets in a lot of detail about like what he did how how the study happened what they were looking at um and uh all that kind of stuff and then uh yeah we got into a ton of other things as well uh he's doing some really cool things we talked about leadership we talked about um like the potential divergence between leadership and and, and technical expertise at some rank structure kind of like the marine corps does which if you're unaware like i think it's a gunnery sergeant where they have to kind of choose am i going to stay a technical expert or am i going to go the leadership route which is like something like first sergeant and then end up at like command sergeant major kind of thing Hey, real quick, if you can and you're willing to support us uh, in whatever way you can, we always really appreciate it. With the best ways to do that, go to patreon.com slash podcast, pick a tier that's right for you and support us if you can. We would really appreciate you. Lots of really cool benefits there. Go check them out. Also, don't give up the ship apparel. It's dgutsapparel.com. Get yourself some naval pride and heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, all kinds of cool shower shoes, little like uh, drawstring bags, all kinds of cool stuff, a bunch of really cool custom stickers, and then the challenge coins and, and Don't Give Up the Ship podcast apparel is there as well. So please, if you can and you're willing to support us, go to those two places uh, and find whatever way works best for you. It's dgutsapparel.com and patreon.com slash podcast. Thank you. So we talked about a lot of different things. Um, really fun conversation fun dude to talk to he's doing a lot of cool things coming up where he's he's working on a project uh to run across the entire country for mental health awareness uh and then raise some funds as well uh so i'm just awesome dude uh very fun conversation i'm very much looking forward to the results and i think you will really enjoy this one check it out all right man yeah so like we just talked about um we'll start with the background, like give me your bio and as much detail as you want to provide, and then we'll go from there. Cool. Yeah. So 
Lieutenant Paul Johnson. I graduated back in 2018 uh, from Penn State. There I did uh, mechanical engineering and then also commissioned through the uh, ROTC program. First tour was out in Rota, Spain. So I did three years out there. Tough life. Spent the whole time in, uh, yeah, engineering. <laughs> did a repair officer and then spent time mm. as the assistant chief engineer seeing every single inspection possible in the Navy in about a year's period. So yikes! definitely a, a lot of fun out there. Mm-hmm. Um, did all sorts of things from NATO joint operations, uh, mostly ballistic missile defense for Europe and Africa, those types of things. Mm. Then I went to San Diego for about two years, spent the whole time on USS Calpens, cruiser going through the uh, service life extension program. Mm. They're on about year seven or eight now of that project, so that's been pretty interesting. Oh, um, Lord. Had the full gamut of the yard periods now, mm-hmm. and uh, spent that time as the anti-terrorism officer. Just finished that tour up two months ago, and now I've got about two or three years here uh, Newport at the Surface Warfare uh, Schools Command teaching the Advanced Division Officer course. So okay, so we'll see what did, the future holds from there. Yeah, did you? Uh, when you said you said so, you said you went to school for engineering and then you went to what sounds like a shore duty in Spain first. Is that? Uh, are you a like a traditional line officer, like a Surface Warfare officer? Or are you like a Staff Corps engineering type? No, I'm a I'm a Surface Warfare officer, uh, unrestricted okay. line eleven ten. Um, yeah, that first, that first ship was, uh, for the Donald Cook was a destroyer out there. So oh, it was a ship. Them. Okay. Got it. It just sounded yeah. like they sent you straight to a ship. I'm like, how does that work? All right. Um, yeah, no, cool. it was, uh, just a ship. Yeah. Dope. All right. Yeah. It's a God, fuck, tough life going to Spain, man. We used to send kids from, I was an A school instructor a long time ago to land far, far away. And, uh, we sent kids out to like Rota or like, um, I feel like there was somewhere else. It's pretty, I'm like. You get the kids would sometimes the kids would freak out because they would be too far from home. I'm like, you're going to Spain. Some kids are going to Norfolk. Shut up. Like, <laughs> yeah. Gotta, well, gotta, I really can't complain, you know, going yeah. three years in southern Spain, mm. two years in southern uh, California. Right. So, right. Newport's my hardship tour. Newport's nice, man. Well, I went to the senior enlisted yeah, academy. I'm it's, loving it. It's beautiful there. I mean, I'm sure like you get dumped on with snow this time of year. It's not that fun, but still like go snowboarding. Like, that makes for some good skiing. Then. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so I'm curious and we'll get to like leadership stuff later. I'm curious about like, cause you said you're, you're instructing an advanced, uh, division officer course, which I'm interested in, in learning about, but the first thing, so like I connected with you on, uh, Reddit for the beards thing. Like somebody pointed you out. It was just like dropped a link from an Instagram reel or something. And Hey, this guy was part yeah. of the beard study. Um, so my first question, is that why you have a beard or do you have like a chit for like, you know, a condition and that's, they used you for that. Do you have like special Uh, DC permission to have a beard? (laughs) Well, I mean, the beard study itself was, you know, DC permission there with the, with Mm -hmm. the secretary of the Navy. Um, honestly, like I couldn't grow facial hair to save my life, Mm -hmm. um, all the way through college. And then, so, you know, I still, I could probably get by two three days i'd really push it on the ship mm-hmm. if i just didn't shave um, oh, i wow. can get away with it sometimes you got a pretty legit beard um, now sir what's going on what changed i'm i'm, I'm hanging in there yeah um, <laughs> looks not bad no it, it's pretty it's okay it's okay it's the blondness uh, that hurts me well um, yeah it's fair or, or helps depending but uh yeah yeah no so we did the study and so the joke was everybody made fun of me they're like there's no way you're growing hair 
I'm <laughs> like, all right, shut up. Just let me do my thing. Like, let me have this moment. Um, and it's, it's funny because there were a couple people that they got like three little hairs sticking out of yeah. their chin. Uh, and no. they held on to that for as long as they could with the study. So they were part, enjoying it. Part of the face seal study with their sweet, trashy, yeah. splotchy it's beard. Fantastic. That's awesome. Good times. But uh, no, so after the study and we had to go clean shaven again, mm-hmm. never had issues with shaving. Mm-hmm. Now my face, I've got like terrible issues with it, with the ingrown hairs and basically yeah. whenever I'm shaving, just ripping up the face. So actually mm-hmm. now I have, it's for medical, uh, yeah, okay. for the quarter inch. But uh, before I, I didn't have anything. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder, maybe the face seal study gave you legit facial hair. God bless America. That, that's the joke. Right <laughs> now, so. so like what was Can you like go into some detail about like, so first of all, how did you even end up in the study? And then like, what was it like? What did you do? Like, I'm super interested in learning like some of the mechanics of it. And then like how much light they shed on. Like, are they taking this seriously or are they doing the study just to be like, no. You know, like, yeah, the study itself, um, we didn't really know much about it until one day, Hey, plan of the day. They're like, we're going to have these people here in two weeks and they're mm. going to talk to us about a beard study. And everyone kind of mm. like peaked up like, a what? <laughs> what's that? Uh, we don't really yeah. have much information, but they'll do a brief on the mess decks mm. you know, swing by and, and get the info. So I'm like, Oh, I'm going, I'm in. <laughs> and it was, um, couple of individuals came i forget the name it's like navy or naval naval health research center and like warfighter like, development or something like that uh, okay i thought i thought it might um, be like navosh or something but yeah okay no it's like it's they're based at least the offices and like lab that we went to was based out of mm. uh point loma in, San, in okay. san diego uh but they came they did about 30 minute brief um and essentially they're like hey this is a secnav directed you know study or project mm-hmm. that we're doing here the goal is to get participants, grow the facial hair, get it to a long enough length. And this goal, in this point, their, their target was two inches of hair. Okay. Um, and then we're gonna run. We're gonna do baseline testing before you start. Kind of see where you're at, how you pass the uh, the testing. Mm-hmm. And then once we get you to the two inches, we'll line you up at two inches. We're gonna test two inches. Uh, they did a quarter inch, eighth inch, and then they did the uh, clean shave baseline again. Mm-hmm. and then take all those results, compile it into a report, and that's going to go directly to the second desk. And okay. that is what we're going to accomplish here. All right. Like, how long was it? It was about four months. So okay. we started in, I guess it was July 2022 over the summer. Um, the average growth rate of hair is about half an inch a month. Mm-hmm. So target of two months, half an inch of hair or two inches of hair, half an inch a month, four months. Um, and we finished up the testing. I did my testing like the week before Thanksgiving, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a couple stragglers that they finished up first or second week of December. Okay. So you grew hair faster than all these other punks. He has starting from us, <laughs> like not be like peach fuzz to now you're the dude that's done yeah. early. I like it. Well, um, I wouldn't. I don't know if it was done early. A couple people were like, "Oh, I'm just gonna delay this as long as I can." Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah. Oh, I accidentally clipped it and forgot. So. <laughs> yeah. That's well, we funny. weren't allowed to trim it, but there's definitely a couple people that're like, "Man, I cannot take having like these bushy wings." So, like, I just gotta go and get yeah. it knocked down. So. Yeah. It's a little bit of that, but not a big deal. Gotcha. So, um, 
when they because what I'm confused by is like I had a kid reach out to me a while back um, and I don't I wish I would have looked it up. But like I said, I'm, I'm dumb and I confused which person I was talking to today. So I would have went and found it. But they sent me a study from like the Naval Safety Center or something um, that had already been done on beards like, I don't know, like four years ago or something. Um, so okay. I'm curious, like, did they explain to you why all of a sudden they were doing a study in 2022? Um, they didn't. The only okay. information that we really had on it was they said, Hey, this is a priority to get to the bottom of this, this question, mm-hmm. um, for the secretary of the Navy. Like he wants to know right. what the deal is. Um, cause the, the age old argument you always hear about beards is either number one, you can't have them because you're not going to seal a mask. Oh, well, yeah. And yeah. yeah number two, the old guys are like, they look unprofessional. I'm like, dude, look at this magical thing. And I like, this is probably too long, but I'm retired. I can do what I want. So the, yeah. but yeah, also, like you the, take, you take a look at corporate America, how much facial right. hair do you see there? Pre- right. Pretty decent amount. Right. And like um, yours looks clean. Like it's like, you know I mean? It's not like I look homeless and that's fine. But like, uh, yeah, I mean, it looks the fine. Study, it was definitely looked bad because we couldn't, right. we couldn't trim it. We just had to get the right. growth on there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, keeping it like I knock it down. I keep it at the quarter inch right now for medical. And yeah, you know, it's, it's not a big deal. How, how many um, times did you get stopped by some old guy like me and going like, sir, come here. Like, <laughs> like, did you have like paperwork? Like, did you, here's my papers. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it's funny because. <laughs> They, they told us, they're like, hey, you're going to get a lot. There's going to be a lot of attention on this, yeah. et cetera. They gave us, you know, little carrying cards that like mm-hmm. literally said, hey, this person is a part of the study. They're right. exempt from all grooming regulations, which was pretty fun. All um, grooming regulations. Really? Because well, I've think always wanted a ponytail. <laughs> like, yeah, right. <laughs> um, and so we're expecting, you know, I'm going to get stopped on the pier or I'm going to get I stopped. I figured, yeah. Something, right? Um. And I kid you not, during the entire four months of the study, nobody ever said anything to me. Unbelievable. I'm so disappointed and that, in every chief that's watching this in the yeah. San Diego area. No, so I got a lot of, uh, <laughs> I got a lot, I went to the uh, Pentagon towards the end for retirement ceremony mm-hmm. for uh, one of my old chiefs. Yeah. And walking around in blues, I've got the two inches of, you know, disgusting scruff mm-hmm. on my face. <laughs> you know, nobody? not maintained at all. And I got the dirtiest looks ever. I had a, yeah, but I nobody... some two-star admiral. Wow. Yeah, two, some two-star admiral was like leaning over an escalator, practically yeah. falling off, watching me go up as he was going down. I'm surprised um, he didn't sick his like chief of staff on you or something. Like, go get him. Like, go get that lieutenant. Yeah. Find out what's going on. Well, there, there. was a huge email chain after that because mm-hmm. uh, I got back to San Diego and like my CEO like pulled me aside. He's like, <laughs> hey man, uh, you're not doing anything wrong, but just like yeah. I need you to cool it with like the Instagram posts. Because okay. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he's like, there's this whole email chain because he he's a fan of the beards. Yeah, yeah. Um, but of course he was getting a lot of right. The he's Pentagon was getting all this kickback bosses because yeah, yeah. nobody had any idea it was happening within like oh, the operational okay. chain of command. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Uh, really, it it seemed to be that it was mostly on the administrative side okay. that it went from second nav to you know surf pack <laughs> to I wonder if ship. Oh, so it's SecNav. I was like, I wonder if Gilday is just like, you know what I'm going to do before I call it a career? I'm going to authorize beards. And he's just like, get this study done. Don't tell anyone. And maybe it's SecNav doing it. And he's afraid all the admirals are going to like come after him with pitchforks and torches. But um, that's interesting. I'm curious. So talk to me because, again, like 
right? I didn't get to do any of my like pre podcast research. What define an Instagram post? Like, cause I saw the one, but I didn't scrub your whole profile and like try to see yeah. what's going on there. So like, what were you doing on Instagram and like, what was the purpose? Were you just trying to like share it with the homies or like, what was, what were you doing that was getting heat? Yeah. Um, I started making posts about, I think the first one I did was a time lapse of me growing. The, I took a photo every week of myself, like a mugshot, okay. um, growing the beard <laughs> like in uniform. It. I'm going to need you to um, send, that's going to be the, that's going to be the art for the episode. I'm going to need you to send me a good one of oh, you yeah. with a mugshot looking ratty. <laughs> oh yeah. It, it's, it's, it's pretty horrendous. Awesome. Um, so I posted that just like, and then, you know, cause I like to stir the pot, um, with the tagline, like, Hey, is the Navy going to authorize beards? And only if it, they look that grew, good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It got, it got decent attention. Um, mm-hmm. it, 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 I think the view wise, it was probably like around 20 or 50,000 views, which for oh, myself wow. having really, I yeah. had made my account public like a week ago Right before that was like not much, but it was something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I realized, okay, like people are interested in this and it mm-hmm. generated a lot of uh, comments and activity. Right. So I was like, all right, let me do it again. And so I started posting some more stuff from, you know, the actual shaving at the, at the study, um, mm-hmm. my, myself with the mask on doing the testing. Okay. Um, and then there's another account there, uh, Navy fresh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, not yeah, sure yeah. If you're I'm familiar. familiar with them. Yep. So they, we started going back and forth with them. They started posting a bunch of my stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they have and then they're like, following. "Hey, <laughs> holy shit!" They do, yeah, yeah. And oh, so they, they end up like, hey, like next military fresh so- and all that other stuff. Yeah, yeah. They're like, "Next time you post some of your beard things, like let's do a collab on it." Um, I like it. And let let's generate some activity. So, I posted one when I was in school, mm-hmm. and I think it's close to like seven hundred thousand views right now. Damn. Um, and it's basically it's just simple things like me with the you know the quarter inch even. Yeah. And it's just something about it being unprofessional and me responding to it. Like that's dumb. It's not unprofessional. It's, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Uh, and so I've just been posting stuff like that and basically getting people to talk about it. Cause like, like you said, no one really knew about the study and right. they were, it seemed like they were definitely trying to keep it hush hush and under wraps. That's and I'm just trying to make sure everybody knows that, Hey, this thing happened and they're going to get the results. And, eventually. and there was no like hint to why it was being treated. Like it was, uh oops, sorry being kept under wraps like so there was at one point um a couple of people from like this whole process of the report reached out to me and they're like we need you to stop posting these videos <laughs> i was like mm-hmm. mm, why yeah like, well there's a lot of people higher up who want to squash this study and they want to squash beards and they're like that's Things okay. are looking positive, but we mm-hmm. don't want it to get completely crushed before right. it even gets out the door. Right. I'm like, okay, I can understand that, but I'm going to continue posting things because the way I see it is I want more people to know about this because that's going to create conversation yeah. and conversations what we need regarding the topic. Yeah, um, and I, I feel like it would like be a better safeguard against like against those concerns that they have like i know what they mean but like if if the secretary of the navy is like get me this study on my desk it's like who who gives a shit what any flag officers think about it you know what i mean like 
who's going to, you can't overrule the secretary of the Navy. If he signs off on it, it's policy. Like, so I don't, yeah. I'm, I'm a little confused at what their apprehension was about like letting it be public. So what's really interesting is it actually wasn't until, uh, what today's third, it was two days ago. Um, mm. I had another gentleman reach out to me on Instagram regarding the stuff. He sent yeah. me a couple pictures of him and he's got, you know, two inch beard in uniform. He's like, Hey man, I'm one of the original people back in mm. 2021 that had the permanent no shave chits and right. basis for religious exemption. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh dude, I, we got to talk. Let me give you a phone yeah. call this week. Um, so we spoke and he had a lot of interesting input on it. He's mm-hmm. one of, he's a, a CTICM and he's working mm-hmm. at the Pentagon as an SEL right now. Okay. And he was telling me him and his buddy were some of the original people that were pushing for this beard study. Mm-hmm. Um, and funny enough, uh, I think that, I think what, uh, Russell Smith, the old Mick Pond, mm-hmm. he was also a huge proponent for doesn't shock the beards me. as well. Yeah. And, you know, pushing it through the study. So they were able to get some ground with it. And mm. it sounds like, uh, I think he's retired now. I uh, was it vice Admiral Noel, who was at a uh, Navy personnel command. Uh, he also seemed to be uh, on board with it. Yeah. Good, good. He seemed to be on board with it as well for, uh, the policy side of things and, mm. you know, making those changes to grooming appearance, etc. Yeah. Um, second half's definitely on board with it. I, I actually ran mm. into him, uh, two weeks ago now at uh, mm. in DC for one of the Service Navy Association conferences, and we spoke mm. we spoke quickly about it. And he's super excited to get these results and yeah, see how well we all did on it. Mm. Um, and it seems uh, talking to you know the Master Chief here, he was saying that the the foot dragon seems to be happening at the CNO and McPine level right now, and everybody else seems yeah. to be pretty on board with it. That AMA that so. they did where people kept asking about beards, that was the, and you're, it's very like read between the lines to try to find like a hidden meaning kind of interpretation. But like, yeah. I, that's what I got from those answers where they were really like dismissive of the beards topic. And it's like, I get the annoyances with it. I mean, Russ Smith at an all hands call was like, don't ask me about beards. Like I get it. Cause everyone's asking about that. But it's like avoiding it's not going to make it go away. And that's what I hate about the attitude of like avoidance of certain topics. It's like because like I I, one of the when beards come up every time and they talk about this face seal stuff like I don't even care. Like it's an anecdotal experience, but like I don't I don't care if the another study because the first study was like unequivocally. No, you can't get a clean face seal of beard. I've deployed. I don't even know how many times every single time. As soon as the hatch of the submarine shuts, we all start growing beards. Everyone and grows beards when it bursts into flames, which it does. And it has. And I've been there and I fought the fire with a beard, got a face seal. Nobody died. Not a puff of smoke got into my EAB or SCBA as applicable. Like it just I don't yep. get it. I'm like, where? what is it like tiny little like microns getting in there? And they're like, oh, there's smoke. Shut it down. We don't because they don't want beards. Or is it legit somehow that I, cause I just can't wrap my mind around it because like, I, and I mean, I wasn't grooming. I mean, we were all just looking like homeless people and I still got a face yeah. seal and it wasn't usually like this, but I mean, it was probably within two inches the entire time. Um, so it's, it's confusing to me that they're so, they're so against it. And it's like, usually fossils like that are like no it's unprofessional and so but they're trying to cloud it they're trying to like package it in something besides it's unprofessional 
And so like, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I just don't get it. It's like, it's coming. Like, it doesn't matter. You're out of here in a couple of years. Yes. It's going to happen eventually. Like get over it. And we have stuff I, to look I, back on, like within the zoom wall era. Like my dad was in on a destroyer in Vietnam. He had a beard the whole time and like long hair poking out the back of his Dixie cup. It's like, who cares? Which, you know, different time, different breathing apparatuses, but yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like some of the apprehension for it is, I don't know if it's because, you know, they, like you said, dinosaur has been in forever mm-hmm. um, and it's changed and people don't like change. So we're not doing this because right. I need to make decisions. Right. Um, I don't know if it's that or it's because, hey, I had this stance at one point. We had this stance at one point and it doesn't, mm-hmm. don't want it to look like we're going back on things. Um, and so that's why... <sighs> I'm really yeah. excited for this report to get, I should be getting there in February to the second half at this point awesome. um, is because it's going to lay out and say, Hey, my opinion is the, everyone I've talked to, we've all passed it a quarter inch. The mm. two inches seem to be hit or miss. Um, yeah. Personally, I didn't, I didn't pass the two inches, but like my chief passed with flying colors. Um, I think it's going to be more a function of facial structure Mm-hmm. And the actual, how well does this mask fit your face? Right. Uh, more so than the actual hair. Right. Because so it's I not one size those... fits all, but that's how we treat it. You just grab an EAB and run. Right. So it's like, I did, it's not like I have my own personalized thing. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think the study is going to show, I, I haven't seen the final report yet, right. but I think that, I think it's going to show that honestly, it's pretty negligible, if any impact at all. Yeah. And I think that's going to eliminate the leg to stand on and the Navy would be hard pressed to make that argument at all. And that leaves their only leg of the stool to hold this policy as unprofessional. And so that's kind of what my focus has been is say, hey, like 40 years ago when we changed policy and no more beards associated with what hippies, anti-war, drug, et cetera, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, times have changed a lot in 40 years and it's probably time to revisit that policy. Right. And and the thing that gets me too is like, I don't understand. Like, so meanwhile, all this is happening. All the other branches are liberal, not all, but like they're liberalizing grooming standards. And it seems a lot of it's focused on females because it's it's like an easier change, I guess. And there's more there's more things like, I mean, dudes, how much do we do with our hair? You know what I mean? Like it's more there's, and like they wear females wear earrings more frequently and stuff like that. So it's like, there was a lot more to work with there, but everybody's kind of like, well, they get to like liberalize the crap out of their grooming standards. When do we get to do ours? Which the only thing we want is beards. And it's like, honestly, even if you only let me go seven days, you know, and then I got to clip it. Like, you know how much, like what an increase in morale and quality of life that would be for every single yeah. male sailor in the Navy. And the other thing that drives me nuts is, um, okay. So like, let's say that they, if, if it's not a hundred percent, they're just like, eh, I guess we can't do it because one dude's mask leaked, mm-hmm. but like it's people keep bringing it up. And I think it's a really sound argument of like, okay, well, what if I'm on shore duty? I'm not putting the fire out in a building. I'm running outside and mustering my people and standing there and watching the firefighters do their thing. So it's like, why can't it instructor duty and recruiter? I mean, recruiters, like, don't get me wrong. Like career recruiters are like barely in the Navy anyway, but with the, with the 
trouble that we're having recruiting people. If somebody's walking around with one of these going, you can, you, you don't have to shave. Like, you know what I mean? like it'd be a huge selling point. I feel, I mean, and they don't know. I mean, I guess they probably vaguely know that you have to shave every day in the military, but, and these people are telling them, Oh no, you don't like, here's the rules. You're allowed to have a beard that yeah. looks like this, you know, like I, there's just so many reasons to do it. And so few legit arguments, if any, you know, and it, it, I don't know. It's like, yeah, the, yeah, go ahead. You look at, I was reading the report for um, our retention recruitment numbers for this past year for fiscal year 2022. Yeah. Um, and when you look at the report, it's like, okay, cool. We met our numbers by like a hundred or 200 sailors. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at 30, 40,000 recruits, that's pretty good, right? We hit our numbers. Uh, but then you read the report some more and it talks yeah. about how much they pulled from like delayed entry program. And right. how they've pretty much drained all the, that pool of applicants, um, and we didn't meet uh, we didn't meet numbers on officers and things like that. Mm-hmm. So you'd be astounded how many people have messaged me uh, via Instagram now, and are like, "Hey man, I appreciate what you're doing." Like yeah. people people tell me they're like, "If I could have a beard, like even if for a little bit, mm-hmm. I'd re-enlist." I don't know how true. <laughs> they're all going to say to that. Yeah. But I don't know. That's what they're if saying. confronted with a contract and your career counselor saying, they're like, I'm here to call your bluff. I don't know how many, but it would yeah. be a huge, it would be a huge morale booth. It's, it's like good food. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to die if the food is below average. I mean, like if you, if they were, if the cooks were that incompetent, then like you might, but you'd have to really try. So it's like, yeah, the, it, but when it's when the food is great, it's a huge deal. And so like having a beard it, like that, especially things. especially retention, like recruiting. Yeah, it's a selling point. But the people that know what they're missing out on, if you told me I could grow a beard, I I mean, I'd be like, damn, I might need to go back to see. Like, I don't know. Like it, it would it would <laughs> for sure be a reason to consider and it would be a huge morale boost for people. And it's like if you can do anything like it, it's such an easy switch to throw. You know what I mean? Like it's it not. What is the Navy it's, really? It's a reason? it's a stroke of a pen. You write the yeah. nav admin. You release it, and you're done. It costs and you nothing. Yup, and you're a hero, dude. That secretary of the Navy is gonna get lionized on the internet. There's gonna be T-shirts, and people are gonna throw rose yeah. petals at his feet everywhere he goes if he signs off on that. Which, I mean, it smells like he's gonna. But yeah, I could. Well, Lord. I don't know. I honestly, I don't know if it's, it would be SecNav approval or CNO approval. I feel um, like if he, well, yeah, that's fair. I, I don't know who's, who, I think, who it, I think it would come race. down to getting the CNO to buy off on it. Um, but I think, you know, having that push from the SecNav, who, mm-hmm. like I said, with my conversation with him, I told him about how I did and how what other JOs think about beers. He's like, he was so excited about it. Like right, he was right. glowing to hear the positive <laughs> news on it. I love it. Um, so I think with pressure from him mm-hmm. and the backing of the report, yeah. Um, like I said, I think senior leadership would be very hard pressed to at least not even consider something like shore duty. Even if yeah. we don't get the full sea yeah. duty or flight status, at least shore duty. But also too, like how long skill day got left? That dude's been around a few years. Like, I mean, by February, is he even going to be there? Cause like, if he can't get what he wants from him, it's like, wait six months. And then you're going to have, then you got a new CNO that he's got a, probably sure, a large so hand in selecting. In and- yep. Yep. And then, uh, wow, that's cool, man. Like I'm, 
I'm cautiously optimistic. I've been saying that a lot lately. Um, yeah, the honestly, I think I think within six months we will have some Ford of beards in the Navy, whether that is the shore duty, mm. um, flight flight status or CD with some sort of like, hey, you can only have like a quarter inch or something right, like that. Right. Um, I, honestly, I think within six months there's going to be some form of beards in the Navy. That would be so amazing. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Not, and I have a selfish like dog in the fight because like I, I've gone to – well, no, I was going to go to retirement, but I missed it. Um, and I went, I pinned a, a chief this from this past year and I had a beard and like, they came out with that thing saying you could wear beards in your khakis or, or in your blues or whatever. When oh, you're you retired. probably rocked it. I'm like, no, no, I would, uh, I, dude, I'm, I, it's Shawshank Redemption, man. I'm indoctrinated. I'm like, I would burst <laughs> into flames. If I put my khakis out with this beard, I would burst into flames. I'm like, I can't do it. But oh, if the whole Navy was wearing beards and I'm not like the only guy in the room with a beard, I'm like, all right, I'm in. Like, I would do that. But I plan on, I mean, I want this thing like down here. So I don't know how that would go. But I'm, I'm retired. I could do what I want, I guess. But hey, yeah, I'm just, want, man. I'm there. <laughs> I've got like, like uniform and grooming standard PTSD. Like, I just, I could, because, you know, like I was a chief for a decade plus. So it's mm-hmm. like, I, it's just ingrained in me and there's certain things that like I used to be the hands and pockets guy and then like the more I talk to people about it the more oh, I was you and like, I would not get along then no well I am you you and every single other commissioned officer in the Navy it's like they teach you guys this shit in college but it's like stir, stir the pot <laughs> well but also I had a J.O. on my uh, last submarine he was our A.N.G. and uh, he, he was hilarious because every time I would see him he'd be doing something and it was usually his hands were in his pockets he's a great dude but his hands would be his pockets. Yeah. And I just, I, I came with this approach of like, um, I didn't want to be a jerk about it. Right. Like, but I also like need to correct people cause that's part of my job. Um, so I'd be like, sir, are you trying to hurt my feelings? Or I'd be like, like, Hey, what are you looking for in there? Like your integrity or your character? Like you trying to find your military bearing in that pocket. Oh, that's great. And so this, no, well, what's even better is this clown wrote all of those little quips on index cards. He wrote military bearing character integrity, and he would pull them out. He'd pull all of them out and he'd sift through them and find the one that I said and be like, here you go. <laughs> like you mother. That's awesome. I love it. Oh God, it was so good. Um, but yeah, it was like one of those things that I started to soften on it because every time I saw a chiefs correct somebody, it was like confrontational. The sailor was pissed. And then as soon as they walked around the corner, they started doing it again. Like, and it's, so it's like an unenforceable standard. And when they're in a working uniform, particularly like who cares, you know what I mean? Like, okay, I forgot my gloves. Like who actually cares if I have my hands in my pockets? We're only fighting this so hard because it's in a book and because it's like, this is how we've always done it. So it's like, what, why? Like who, who honestly gives a crap? And so that was, that was kind of like the thing that got me was towards the end there. I was just like, this is so just take it out of the book, man. Like it's dumb. No one's doing it, including. And the other part of it that makes it so ridiculous is every CEO I've ever had will stand up in front of the crew at all hands call with their hands in their pockets. And you're just like, and that, that was, that was my favorite thing being at all yeah. hands call watching, mm-hmm. watching the CEO put his hands in my pockets and just yeah, glaring yeah. across at the chiefs who would always yep. call me out and just make eye contact with yep. them. And it's like, what do you, and I like, I had a cob, he's, you know, CMC on a submarine. Yep. He walked, he would tell, he would go like whisper in my CEO's ear and he would just kind of like look at him and go back to what he was doing. And it's like, so what do you do there? Like you can't. So now the whole crew just got permission to, di- to disregard yeah. it. 
Um, and yeah, when I'm standing right there, they'll fix themselves. But then as soon as I walk away, you know, and it's like, so this is stupid. Like, what are we doing? This is ridiculous. So yeah, I just stopped sure. correcting people because it was pointless. But it's yeah, it's the kind that's the kind of thing like that's kind of how I look at beards, except there's that one little obstacle of the face seal thing that they keep bringing up that needs to get like debunked f- effectively. And it, I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds like it might, which is incredible. Um, I was going to ask you something else about the study. I if you think you might have answered it already with the uh, like that you're that you suspect it's going to it's going to get approved um, in some way, shape or form. Um yeah, well, I mean, are you talking about like the study being approved or or like the general? beard policy being approved, I guess, like the once it gets on. Yeah, the I mean, it's just second. We had probably 50 or 60 people participating in the study. Mm-hmm. Um, and I it was between the two ships, ourselves and uh, Manchester. They were in LCS. Mm-hmm. Um, at least talking with everybody on my crew with the cow pens was, yeah. hey, we all were like, yeah, we pass it a quarter inch, and the two inches was hit or miss. And so that's why I think when they write the final report, again, I don't I don't know how they're going to write it. I don't know what trends or what analysis they're going to do with it. Right. Um, but I think the data is going to show at least up to a quarter inch, it does not matter. Yeah. I mean, and you would think if it's hit or miss at two inches, and again, depending on data and all that stuff, it's like, it'd be like an inch, like just be conservative, like no more than an inch or whatever. Yeah. Like I, or even like keep it at half an inch at sea and like an inch on shore or something. I don't know. Like, but I mean, on shore, I mean, as long as I feel like you could even do like two inches and who cares because you're not going to be in those positions. Honestly, for sure. Like I think, I think you can make it pretty similar to, you know, what our current grooming standards are, right? Was it four Mm. inches of length, two inches of bulk? Like as long as you're keeping it, as long as you're keeping it groomed, trimmed, mm-hmm. and like you can have a beard look professional, right? Right. Not just super scraggly like we had it during the study, but actually yeah. keeping it groomed, it does not affect or impact your daily life in any way yeah. whatsoever, especially when I'm going to an office building to teach a class or file paperwork right. or make phone calls. Right. And that's the key. the key is defining in some kind of detail and and i'd love for them to do stuff with pictures like they did with the female hair hair regs because like they were saying stuff i'm like i don't know what any of this means like the names of the hairstyles and stuff so like they had pictures where you could like turn it like in 3d and stuff and so that was like oh okay this helps a lot where it's like i because there's dudes like with my beard it's like i would have to like get one of those straighteners and like oil and all this crap to not look like a homeless dude. Like, I don't know how to maintain this. Like if I didn't get haircuts and stuff, you'd probably think I was homeless. Like I, and I don't know what to do about that. And I don't really care to be honest. Um, but if I was wearing my uniform to work and standing in front of a classroom, I feel like I kind of would like, and I would probably, it would be shorter and like cleaner because once it gets here, I can't, I mean, it's just scraggly. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like the, the beard was fun, but honestly, even if a policy was made to allow two inches normally, yeah. I don't think I would do it just because right. I, I, it it was cool during the study, but I don't want that full time. Yeah, but I feel like a bunch of E4 and below would be like, like, oh. and it's just like, it would just get ridiculous and you'd have to be like, it's like when you oh, walk yeah. around yeah. with rips and tears and paint all over your uniform. It's like, dude, what are you doing, man? Like, let's, let's fix this. Um, well, but, my favorite thing was I'd, I'd put mustache wax in towards the end. I would curl up the ends <laughs> at work. My CO saw me the one day and he like got real close to me looking at me and he's like, 
did you you did, did you didn't put you <laughs> he's like i like that he's like and then he just uh, walked away so you know we, we had some yeah, fun with it it was it was all good fun yeah cool you had a a co like that um because then it, yeah it makes a lot more fun i would imagine but um what other i'm curious like i i, I want to i wish i would have watched a bunch of the videos and stuff um that you posted because like i'm cur- I'm curious to like see some of the testing which i guess i mean most of it is just them measuring whatever gets past the face seal depending on length and stuff but like i don't know it's pretty yeah it I sounds mean, interesting the test the testing itself um it was about a four hour block that we did and yeah. we went in they had they had a barber come in went in lined us up at two inches all the way around mm-hmm. and then we'd go into this room where they had this device i don't know all the science behind it but this device right. that created particles in the air and so there would be this concentration of particles in the air mm-hmm. and then you would put the mask on and the mask had this sensor attached to the front of it that right. measured the level of particles inside the mask yeah and so we would put the mask on we'd spend about 30 minutes doing different like osha approved movements like talking mm-hmm. head yeah. nodding side to side bending over um, and the computer would measure the number of particles inside the mask compared mm-hmm. to the outside to yeah. determine how well of a seal do you have and is there a transfer of these particles. Right. Um, and that, that was really the extent of it. So we did that with the uh, SCBA firefighting masks and we did that mm-hmm. with the, the, the CBR masks both. Mm-hmm. So it took mm-hmm. about 30 minutes of mask per length of hair. So it took about you know, four hours to do interesting yeah it seems cool man i'm hoping that i'm hoping that you're right about where it's trending um what did you i'm gonna weird pivot but i'm curious because it's it's recency bias (laughs) uh what do you think about the mcpon ama stuff because i'm if you're on reddit at all i'm assuming that you're you paid attention i actually didn't uh I haven't really taken a look at it yet. I, okay. I, I got some plans to this weekend to start, you know, flipping through it. The only thing that I had heard about it was with mm-hmm. the beard questions. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah. my old roommate, he had sent me a post. He's like, Hey man, like they're talking about you again. The <laughs> they did. That's how I found um, out about you. People were dropping yeah. links to your Instagram reels. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, all right, cool. Well, strike when the iron's hot. So that's when I quickly pumped out a couple more reels. <laughs> um, I was like, Hey, if they're talking about it, let's give them something else right. to talk about. So, yeah. Um, no, I haven't really, I haven't looked into it too much, but what I have heard is that it was mostly, you know, the political answers and particularly with the yeah. beard was more question avoidance than anything. Right. Yeah. He just was not willing to talk about beards, at least not right then. Um, but it didn't sound like he had right. any appetite to talk about it ever, but, uh, yeah, it's a monster of a thread, man. I think it's worth checking out. Uh, I did a podcast on it and stuff, so I won't, I won't go down that rabbit hole. Um, but yeah, I was just curious. I'm curious what people think about it in general and i'll probably grab some people to come like talk to me about it um just because it's kind of like when russ smith kind of stepped in it on the g-dub it's like i want to know how like junior enlisted and like officers and stuff how they perceived that um and the same thing with the ama like i because i talked about like just it's great that he did it and it like if you're just considering that part like that door's open forever like pandora's box is open now we know that you can find Reddit and all this other stuff. But then, yeah, like the what happened Im- immediately wasn't great. But then he's like, at the end, he's like, give us a week to, because there was 
it's such a huge thread and sailors like you could tell they they put a bunch of time and effort into some of these questions where there's like yeah. bullet points and i mean some of them were like five paragraphs long and it's like of course he didn't answer all your questions but hopefully they do actually scrub the whole thread and come back to it i'm cautiously optimistic but we'll see uh, yeah i mean like I, said, I think that's an awesome concept and a great avenue for them to go down um because like things like that with the social media whether it's you know, yeah. instagram or his case reddit like you can create such a reach with that mm-hmm. and you can get fe- you can solicit feedback that you're never going to hear yeah. because it's going to get censored on the way up to you a hundred percent and that was one of the things i said on the in that podcast was there's like a case study for like because basically like no one knows what the mcpon actually does no one, no one, like except for the Mikpon and like the maybe handful of people right around him. And it's not right. because he can't tell you and or not because that information's out there somewhere. Like you could go find him on C-SPAN testifying in front of Congress. You could probably find him on like uh, D-Bids or freaking uh, AFN or some stuff like something that no one is consuming except for like relics. And so it's or retirees that are sitting in the lobby of the Gateway and Suites. So it's like you it's not no one knows what he's doing and so you gotta like find like ready relevant platforms to do that like social media platforms podcasts youtube all that kind of stuff reddit um and so that it was nice that he did it this one time i hope that it becomes a trend and it's like they have a army of like mcs and paos and all this crap that could do this for like you don't have staffers yeah you don't got to do anything because like you reached seven hundred thousand people with one reel and it's like you're using took, took your phone. Five minutes. Yeah. Yep. And I exactly. And so and he was like one of his answers to like transcribing uh all hands calls was it's really hard and it'll take a long time. So I don't plan on doing it anytime no, soon. I'm like technology takes, for that. Exactly. And I was like, every single time I do a podcast, it just craps out a, a transcript for me at the end. I don't do anything. It's time stamped and has line by line and who said it. And it's like there are some grammatical errors sometimes and some spelling errors, but it's like, that's a 20 minute job, you know? And then it's ready for release, but also no one wants to consume it that way. Anyway, they want to consume it via video voice, that kind of stuff. And so like that, that's not hard at all. Set up a tripod with an iPhone, put a little lavalier mic on and go like it's, it's, you can just live stream it to YouTube. There's no editing involved at all. Just do it or give it to the MCs and let them do what they do. Like this is their job. They know how, and it's like most of these young E4, E5, E6s, it's like they can, they'll figure it out in five minutes if they don't already know how to do it. You know, I mean? like me trying to figure out how to set up video and like the podcast stuff. It's painful and it takes a long time. And I ask a lot of smart kids for help, but I figure it out eventually, like in YouTube yeah. and all the things like I, I get on YouTube and I'm like, how do you do this? And then I got friends that, that know how, and Google's I ask for help, thing. but it, it is. It's crazy how much information's on the internet, you know, like, and so like when he said that, I was just like, oh my God, come on, dude. I ate up some of his answers. It was kind of funny. Like I posted that podcast and I tagged his uh, Instagram in it and I promptly got okay. untagged and I was like, oh really? I didn't get blocked yet, but I got untagged. And so I'm a little, I'm low key salty about it, but whatever. I just think it's a I'm really kind of- I'm really hoping to get blocked by a couple of these. Like, uh, uh, ah, I, yeah. It's funny. When I when I started, I got <laughs> yeah. who do I got? I got like Fleet Forces following me now. I've nice. got uh like all, a bunch of those guys all following me. So mm. they're definitely they're seeing the content, they're seeing right. what I'm putting out. Um, yeah, I know a lot I, of those dudes are listening. Well, a lot of those people are listening. I know they're not all dudes, but yeah, it's like I don't They're keeping tabs. 
Yeah, I know they're keeping tabs, but especially now that I'm retired, I think maybe they're like, ah, I can't control him anymore. Like if I got out of line and I did stay away from certain topics when I was on active duty because I felt like a responsibility to the organization, like both the Navy and the Chiefs mess and whatever. Sure. Like I didn't I didn't want to go in like when the Captain Crozier thing happened. Everybody was like, we got to talk about this. I'm like, nope. Nope, not until an investigation comes out and tells me what actually happened. I'm not touching that with a 10-foot right. pole because I have no idea what went on. I I suspect a whole bunch of stuff based on the way he exited and the way the crew reacted, but, like, I don't actually know. Like, what if he actually did leak stuff to the press? Like, I don't know. And I'm not even saying I, I disagree with that, but it's like, right. I don't know what happened, and I would need to see an investigation. And even then, it's like, I wasn't there. I would need... I. After the investigation came out, then I would like, okay, so let me see if I can get Captain Crozier on the podcast and then we'll just talk about it because he was there. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he has he all the there. information. But uh, yeah, like the what what kind of reactions are there to like all that content and stuff? Because you're saying like those types of people are following you, but then you're also getting told to kind of like shut up a little bit. So like how's that experience with like the the social media presence been? When it started, there was a lot more pushback um mm -hmm. and the way the way it kind of went down was when we did, first did the study like my exo she's phenomenal she was talking with the jags and everybody mm -hmm. they're like can we like it, is there any requirements here that we need to do with yeah like the sailors themselves and what they can do and they're like no like it's you know it's going to be you know public information basically yeah um you know they can share whatever they want really like yeah. we can't stop them from posting a picture of themselves with a right. beard on the internet. Yeah. Um, and then once I started doing it, there was, you know, a couple grumbly people about it. Right. Um, of course. And a, a bit of pushback, but then the question became, they're like, Hey, you gotta stop posting stuff. I'm like, you can't tell me to do that. There's nothing sensitive. Uh, yeah. there's no like, uh, NDA, like mm -hmm. there is not, there's no OPSEC with this. There is, and I'm posting it on my own time from my own home. Right. You know, was there any not cons concern that like, cause I, I haven't, again, I haven't seen the, all the videos. So I don't know if like, if you were at all implying that, like, uh, I don't know, like leadership's wrong about so, like you're, I, it wouldn't, I, I don't even see how it could be considered right. uh, like insubordination or something or like uh, conduct unbecoming or whatever, but yeah. like so, they could warp those definitions. So was there any concern about any of that? There, the only like concern that was voiced to me mm -hmm. um, was basically, Hey, you can no longer post what you do at work. And I was okay. like, you, and basically you have, I have to be able to, they're saying that they have to screen what I post before I post it. Like, okay. No. Yeah. You, you can't do that. Um, like the, the basic rules for social media to follow, like in uniform, are like, hey, you when you're in uniform, making posts, you can't, you know, talk down on, you know, chain of command, you know, political yeah. statements, the, like the general stuff, stuff that we're yeah, pretty yeah, familiar yeah. with. Um, um. Yeah. And the posts that I'm doing are just, they're strictly informational. Like, yeah. Hey, I grew a beard for four months, and yeah. I passed this test, or mm -hmm. something like. Uh, here's me with a beard and uniform and it's not unprofessional. S yeah. Simple things like that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Cause like I went down the rabbit hole a little bit when the whole, um, the message about TikTok came out where they like didn't ban it, but they were like, you shouldn't use it. Um, and all I could find was a social media guide. I couldn't find 
anything and it's a guide it's like a it's, here's it's how to navigate playbook. yeah it's not even like a policy state it's not a dod buper it's not an instruction at all it's just a book that they're like here's how you navigate social media and i like and i wonder if it is that way because there's some type of like barrier to them saying like thou shalt not do these things and i'm just like huh well i think i think some of it is covered right that at some point depending what you could do they could probably hit you with some article of the ucmj right right but when you're doing something where you are just you're just posting information there's nothing classified or sensitive about it it's just yeah. information there's really nothing wrong with that right and i because i first i first i was considering it myself because i've been doing this for like seven years so i, I started it as a chief in like 2016 um and i was on active duty and so i was i kept my face and name off of it um and i was concerned i was always concerned especially at the beginning i was like i had some imposter syndrome going on i'm like just waiting for my cmc to call and be like what the are you doing and i'm like because i had i've got some strong opinions and i tried to temper them a lot when i was still on active duty even though i got as i as i ranked up i got more and more candid and then as i realized i was retiring i was just like what are you gonna do fire me but like, it was like already on your way out. Yeah. I'm like, I'm already quitting this job. So like, if you want to accelerate it and I was past 20, so it's like, you can't even really fire me unless yeah, I like really murdered somebody. Yeah. Like, um, you send me home early. Darn. Like, but, uh, yeah. So the, but I've had people. So right now I'm in the process of working with some, uh, first classes that are interested. I, I have this and, and you know, if you're ever interested, um, I have this, goal of like turning this into like a proceedings podcast platform almost where like people are just dropping in submissions because i want different perspectives that are not my own and are not flavored by me like you and i are having a conversation you have your perspectives but then i'm talking to you and i might push back or i might give you new information or whatever and it's like i'm really interested to see i got a couple of uh, v6s that are gonna do uh something they were and they've been working through some issues um trying to record and stuff but they're going to record probably like a series for me but then i have two uh first classes from the uh ct community that are going to do so one of them's going to do like a leadership podcast she's like mini me it's hilarious dude like she's like if you go back and listen to all my stuff like i had a conversation with her the other day and it's she's like mini me and it's amazing so she's going to do awesome. a, a podcast and then uh, the other young lady's interested in doing like a mental health center podcast. And she's done a lot of cool yeah. work with her command with like a psychologist, uh, a chaplain. And then there's a chief that is finishing a PhD in psychology. So they're all working on like wellness programs. And so she wants to focus on mental health. And I'm like, send it like and I, and I can eliminate all the overhead and barrier to entry because I'm already paying all the subscription fees and all the all the whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'll edit and do all the stuff. So it's like you just got to record and then send it to me. And so I'm trying, yeah. I'm going to try to interesting. Good. It's interesting that you mentioned, you know, making that big push for all the mental health stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's been a hot topic on, you know, people's people, uh, you know, when they see these videos that I'm putting out, they're like, Hey, yeah. why are you focused on beards? Beards oh, are yeah. dumb. It's a waste Come of time, on, man. Why are you not putting energy towards, you know, mental health? Like it, which is a yeah. significant issue within the military. Right. right? And it's like, Hey, I got you. That's important. Yeah. Um, but honestly, you can link the two together. Like we were talking about before, 
when you mm-hmm. if you were to authorize beards, huge morale increase. Oh yeah. And yeah. if you can if you can improve that work environment mm-hmm. and that aspect, you are now taking steps towards dude a healthier yeah. force. You're preaching to the choir, man, because like the reason why I do this and initially I was just trying to help junior sailors. Like, so I was at an A school, we would get all these students reaching back going either. I don't know how to deal with this leader or now I'm in like a junior leadership position. I don't know what to do with my hands. So I'm like, I want to create a resource for them. But then it evolved into like, because I recognize there's no leadership development training enlisted side, like at all. Like it doesn't exist until you're at the senior enlisted academy. And at that point, promotions and awards have validated bad behaviors to a point where it's almost irrelevant. So it's, it, it's I was teaching old dog new tricks. Exactly. And it's, it's not impossible, but like at that point, most of it, cause they're making it, they're trying to make it mandatory. I don't know if they actually have it every year. The nav admin for the advancement cycle for master chiefs to come out and they put a waiver in there every year for like the last five years. So, mm-hmm. but those dudes were all going like, cause they're like, I got to check this box. So it, whenever they do make it a requirement, I can promote, but they weren't there to learn anything. They didn't care. They were like going to class, mouth breathing, and then going back to the NGIS and drinking and like being stupid. But like, I thought it was amazing, but I was, I mean, I'd been in 15 years, but I was still a chief. So I was junior to a lot of the, like is primarily senior chiefs and master chiefs. So, um, sure. I loved it. I didn't, and it didn't, it didn't radically change my worldview or anything, but it was really, it was really good. They're really, the staff at the, yeah, the staff at the senior list Academy is incredible. The way that they do it is amazing. And they've got really smart people that are constantly evaluating the curriculum and like adding and changing and altering. And it's, 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 it's so well done. Um, but there's nothing before there's nothing before that. And like they, they got the ELD thing that they're like half heartedly trying to roll out sort of right now. Um, COVID kind of punched a giant hole in that rollout, but it's like, it, it was trying to do that. But then I progressed or as time progressed, I just, and the SEA experience had a lot to do with that. I recognized that like, Oh, this, this leadership incompetence, like this gap is causing like, all the problems like it's it, and acute mental health issues is a huge one where when you talk to sailors, yeah. the primary reason they get out of the military is bad leadership. And it's like, if you think about like these people are coming into the military, largely like fully functional and like morale is at some kind of a baseline. Right. And like everybody's different and has different backgrounds, and context. Like I know dudes that came in cause they were homeless. And so they were just happy to be here and be getting three hots and a cop, yeah. but they, what you see happen is like within the first year or two acute mental health issues develop and we lose people as unplanned losses for mental health or suicide. And it's like, okay, well why? Because you see everybody talking about like, Hey, uh, we need more mental health resources to, uh, to address all the mental health issues. It's like, what, no, what you really need to do is find out why the hell we have so many mental health issues and start addressing that. And it's not the only reason, but I think the largest reason is leadership incompetence. People have no idea what they're doing, especially at the enlisted level. But I would argue that, and I, I'm not, I'm no expert on officer like development. And I know you guys go to a lot of schools, but they're all usually tactically and strategically focused. And a lot of it's probably management. Correct me if I'm wrong, but no, you're, you're on there. Right. So it's like, like if we're not going to teach, cause you're not going to let uh, like submarines, like I stood diving off. So watch, you're not going to let, or you and probably stood off. So deck or something to that effect. It's like, 
They're not going to let you do that unless you're fully trained and qualified to do it. So how dare I allow you to be a department head without you being trained and qualified to do that? And I don't mean trained in the tactical and strategic level managerial stuff and administrative stuff. Not that that's not really important, but it's like you need to know how to lead people. Like you do, you, you're going to be in a position eventually to be mentoring officers. If you, if you stuck around, like I would argue that it probably starts a department head, but then, you know, like XOCO too. It's like, you got to know what you're doing when you're dealing with these people. They're not just things, right? They're not just somebody right. on the other end of an administrative pipeline where the leave shit came from. And you're like, Oh, can't support that. Cause my spreadsheet says so it's like, that's not real. And that stuff leads to these acute mental health issues. Just like the, uh, like when you go through the Reddit thread, there's a bunch of just horrific like admin issues that there was one that I highlighted on the podcast where I reviewed it, where this kid didn't, I, I think he was getting medically retired, but he didn't get his retirement orders in time and ended up homeless. And the response was, how can we help you get your, your retirement orders? I'm like he's already fucking homeless. Like, why would he need his retirement? What are his retirement orders going to fix? Can he stuff him in his coat? So he stays warm tonight. Like, are, are you stupid? Like I, you, it's not a solution, but all of those things that we consider like, eh, it's not that big of a deal that we have to deal with NCEPs, DTS and all the five other programs that barely function. And it's like, you're looking at it through this lens of like, I, I need to, the DTS program, like, okay, it functions like, okay, cool. Yeah. But there's also people that have been waiting on travel claims for a year and they need that money to live or their BAH and you're, hasn't you're talking come like through. 15, 20 grand. Right. And then there's people they're like using credit cards and loans they can't afford and all this shit to like just to survive. And then they end up like getting kicked out of their home or with just crazy issues. They can get their clearance pulled and now they can't do their job. And now it's an unplanned loss for the command. And for me, in my analysis, you can trace every one of those threads back to leadership and competence. And there's an argument to be made for like other things like it, whether or not like leadership competence is a dominant stake and like the functionality of like incepts and bupers online and DTS, it's like, okay, like, but the people making the decisions, allowing these hot garbage programs and like whoever awarded the contract for NMCI should be tarred and feathered. That is the most, like the most ridiculous shit I've ever experienced because I had faster internet when we were submerged underway on nuclear power, the mass poking out of the water than I did in my cubicle in a building on a flagstaff. Make that make sense on any yes. planet. Like it, it's, I thought, I thought coming from an operational ship, Dude, first of all, you would I, think I had, <laughs> I had better internet. Like you said, yeah. on an operational sh ship up in the high North, than I do in an office building that hasn't moved in 50 years yeah. with a full IT staff. Right, right. Like, what and is it's, going? I can't load a how? web page. And it's like, what kills me is like the, the so like the leadership and confidence piece. Like I've talked to a ton of really smart people and I, you know, like I consider myself pretty intelligent, but like I have, I know I have a large level of leadership competence and I know I'd be good at educating people on it. I've been doing it for a long time. I'm really passionate about it and I'm studying it. And it's like, if somebody cut me a check, if somebody cut Dave Deary at Enlisted Leadership Foundation a check, if somebody cut, you know, Paul Kingsbury a check or, or whoever, right? Joanne Ortloff's incredible over at, at, at SNA. It's like any like or a combination of all the things. But it's like instead of trying to roll out programs where active duty sailors try to find time and oh, by the way, we got to find Manning somehow to man any of these little uh, enlisted leadership development detachments, which is probably never going to happen. It's because we can barely man ships and shore commands. It's like, 
just cut me a check, bro. Like I am chomping at the bit. Dave Deary is yeah. already doing it in San Diego. Like if you look up the Enlisted Leadership Foundation, this man is all, him and all the homies, including Joanne Ortloff, are already doing like fa the Foundry and the LPO Academy on, and I forget the Warship Memorial that's there. They're doing a lot of it there and they do a lot on Zoom now so they can get everybody there. You can use TAD funds to go. And it's like, cut them a like whoever's responsible, like CNP or whoever's responsible for that, Netsy or uh, whatever, cut them a check and let them just put one in every fleet concentration area. There, I fixed it. And it doesn't, you don't got to detail anybody there. Dave's going to just use his network to find people like me here and my retired cob who is like, a break glass in case of emergency enlisted leader like that dude if there's world war three put him on a submarine to be the chief of the boat he's ready to he's go he's but he's like the best i've ever seen like and i mean mm -hmm. there's some other one, incredible ones out there don't get me wrong but this dude i mean he should be up they should be paying him a large sum of money to just teach cobs to be cobs like he's just incredible and there's tons of dudes out there like that like aaron lee buddy of mine at squadron 17 great dude he'd be incredible at stuff like that he's still on active duty doing submariner things but it's like there's so many people out there and there's a lot of them are are posed and like you got rick west and all the you know russ smith now which you know yeah i mean he's awesome i don't care what anybody says like he made a mistake yeah, sort of. i've heard some very good stories he's about a him. great dude i like i i really think he just you caught him in a human moment the all hands call wasn't the move blah 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 whatever um, it, you can't take it back. It is what it is. Um, but there's a ton of these guys running around that, I mean, they would like do enlisted leadership development stuff for free if it was like sporadically. But if you employed people, it's like, you wouldn't like, I don't work, man. Like I'm a full-time college student and I do this and I hang out with my wife. Like, I don't need the money. I, but like, but also like, I like money. Like, it's cool. I got to retire for real someday. Yeah, I'm not going to deny a check, but you're not going to have to pay me some ungodly amount of money. And like, look what I do in my free time, dude. Like nowadays I'm monetizing it a little bit, but like I haven't actually like pocketed a dime. It all just goes right back into the business. You know, I like I have an LLC, sure. but it all just gets fed back into all the subscription fees aren't coming out of my pocket anymore. And I've got this cool camera now and like all this other crap. Like I just don't buy any of it. I use the LLC business account. So it's like, I do this in my free time. I, I don't get anything out of this other than the satisfaction of doing so. And so it's like, I if I'm doing this, and I know a bunch of other dudes, like I have a whole network of people that uh, do podcast things with, with me or on their own or whatever that would be chomping at the bit to do things like this too. So it's just like, it's too easy to fix. Um, like it would be a heavy lift generally, but it's like simple is a better word to, say, word to use. But it's like, also, then you get in all these other programs. Like I was talking, same thing, like with that Pond episode, the AMA response. It's like, we, if Amazon Prime exists, INSEPs should not. You know what I mean? Like sailors should be able to go on their phone and just be like, because nowadays it's like, I went through the pain a couple years ago when I did a I did a, an episode on the Navy app locker when uh, they came out of the My Navy Portal app. So you could hopefully do some useful things, which you, I mean, it's still excruciating, but you can set it up to log in without your cat card or anything. You can log in on your phone without a cat, but you have to do this like That's awesome. auth authentication. Yeah. And no one knows about it. Cause of course they don't. Cause the Navy yeah. just does like fumbles a ball and rolling out everything about ever. It. Yeah, exactly. Like, so there's a Navy app locker, right? And there's a whole bunch of, I have a, like a four year old episode on it that tells you all about it. And I, it's probably evolved a little bit, but 
Um, what's funny is there's a YouTube video on some channel that belongs to the Navy kind of like talking about it. It's got like, when I looked at it back then, it had like 47 views and I'm just like, Oh my fucking God, dude. And so like, you don't, um, you, no one knows about it. If they did know about it, they don't know how to use it, which is why I did the episode in the first place. But then it's like the functionality is still kind of garbage. Like it doesn't work well. And it's, it, even if you can get it to work, which I eventually did, it took me a hot minute to get it to log into my Navy portal and stuff. I never used it for anything. I just did it to figure out how to do it. And it was, a, it was excruciating. Like it took me like a week and I was like looking it up and doing this. And, doing that. and I was in a skiff. So I had to keep running upstairs, coming back down, like right. to get my phone. That's, and that's do, the tough and then, part about it. Yeah, it was so stupid. But then it like, it also didn't add any value to my life whatsoever. The only apps I ever used were the nav admin viewer, which like every chief of the Navy uses. And then uh, the uniform regs thing when I needed to look something up mm -hmm. on my phone. It was just more convenient than Googling it. Like I could just bring up the For app. all the hands in the pockets. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, stop judging me. I, I, I revised, I've revised my, uh, uh, my stance, but yeah, man, it's like, so, I mean, where, where would you target the, I mean, you talk about the enlisted leadership development and we're not really seeing mm -hmm. anything until SEL. Where would you target that curriculum at then? At what level? At everywhere. Like it should start at the very beginning. It's, it should be a life cycle. It's not because what happens is we like at in the Marine Corps leadership starts at like Lance Corporal, I think. Right. Which is like an E4. So it's like the if we're going to tell an E4, oh, you're a petty officer now, increase responsibility, blah, blah, blah. And there are times, especially them any training. Right. We don't provide them any training. Thus, we don't trust them with any type of real leadership responsibility. But we do allow them to operate and maintain multi-million if not billion dollar weapon systems and equipment and all this stuff and it's like if i can trust uh like an e4 and e5 to be the reactor operator on a nuclear powered submarine or uh i mean electricians are usually the electrical operator but like they're still sitting at the control panel controlling the entire electric plant for a multi-billion dollar uh asset like it's insane the amount of responsibility i'll trust them with while they're on watch but then when they come off watch, I'm like, all right, time for barracks inspections. You know, like what? Why? Why? And it doesn't make any sense because we we don't start at the beginning. And even I've seen from the beginning of my time in the military until I was walking out the door, East like first classes just got stripped of all the same trust and responsibility largely. Like it's just it's getting more and more top heavy and it doesn't make any sense. It's like they just wanted to centralize control, which if you go back to stuff like World War II, the reason it worked on D-Day is because NCOs knew what to do. They knew the, you know, like one up, one down, if not more job responsibilities. And so when all like the paratroopers got scattered everywhere and everybody's on the wrong landing zone on every all these different beaches and nobody knows where anyone is, they just like consolidated, like gathered up units. Who's the highest ranking guy? Okay, sergeant, whatever. You're in charge. Let's go. And they would just go to their, take this gaggle of like, you know, misfit toys and go blow up the bridge they were supposed to because NCOs were empowered to do those kinds of things. And so nowadays it's like, we're stripping more and more of that away. And it's like, I just, I was reading an article for the person I'm doing a podcast with on Saturday because I'm an idiot. And uh, because I thought that's what I was doing today. And he was talking about that. And, he, and, and I've been talking about it with a bunch of people 
as where it's like we don't even evaluate people on being war fighters anymore. We're evaluating them on like the meme is like bake sales and stuff, right? But like we're evaluating them on things that are going to become completely irrelevant when things start exploding around us. So it's like number of vending are, machines stocked. Yeah, what are we doing? It doesn't make any sense. Like what we're prioritizing. And so, like, yeah, it would be a life cycle. It would start at the very beginning. Uh, and I, I'm one of the few people that I feel like where, yeah, you hear people, everybody's a leader. No, they're not. Like, the people that first come into the Navy have zero business being treated as leaders or being told that they're leaders or any. It puts an unrealistic expectation on a brand new seaman, seaman apprentice, seaman recruit. It's like, give them Even a minute. Even for the officers coming in. Yeah, exactly. Like, when, when I showed up to my first... And funny enough, I had never, I never did a midshipman cruise, just the way okay. things had worked out. So yeah. the first time that I stepped on a ship um, was day one. I arrived mm. in Spain, completely jet lagged, got driven to yeah. the ship to go check into admin. Yeah. And I just remember like my first six, eight, nine months there, like yeah. just walking around like a lost puppy dog. Like I have right. no idea what I'm doing yep. and I'm supposed to be the person that is. Yeah. You're a division officer. With the sir. answers and <laughs> right. leading people. Yeah. Yeah. And it. And it, there's like, and I'm not saying I completely agree with it. Cause I, uh, same thing. Like, I think it should start like, uh, let's say you went to the Naval Academy, it should be built in. And to an extent, I think it kind of is, I'm not super familiar with their curriculum, but there's like the, the midshipman like ecosystem outside of a classroom where I think that they probably do an okay job with that. I'm not, again, not super familiar. I tried to go there as like a, I don't even remember what they call them. Like a, brigade chief or something like that but uh no such luck but anyway like but for you even in in in, like uh in rotc it's like you guys aren't even like training like you periodically do stuff but like you're not even immersed and so it's like you're doing the college thing but there should be a pipeline after that where you're like going through a couple of months of like jo school where there's a leadership component to that where it's like so yeah, at least you I, have I think they're something taking steps with that that would I think be they're taking steps good. with that because like at least for for the swo pipeline right mm. we go to they changed it a bunch recently i got to refamiliarize myself but at least for right. myself i went to uh you know basic division officer course which the focus was hey this is a ship it goes through the mm. water this is how you drive it <laughs> um but there were sessions of like Hey, we're gonna bring in, we're gonna bring in three CMCs, or Good. we're gonna bring in three COs, and we're gonna have this like, you know, back and forth of mm-hmm. let's let's get some feedback from you, um, ask whatever questions, and it's sort of like a mentorship leadership program. Right. Uh, but the problem with that is, hey, I met you 40 minutes ago, and you're leaving mm-hmm. in 40 minutes. Right. Um, exactly. And so it's very tough to get some sort of, um, you know, dynamic going there. Yeah. So honestly, the only mentorship for leadership and lessons there is probably with you know your course lead who you spend one month maybe two months with who's mm. a lieutenant on their short tour and that's about the extent and of it. The- so I'm, i am curious to get into <laughs> yeah. the uh now that i'm instructing is yeah. trying to get a better understanding of how they've shifted that training structure mm. and kind of see at what points through this pipeline now because they've made a lot of changes Right. Um, what kind of resources are they providing at these different levels now? Yeah. And, and I know there are little encouraging signs like that. Um, the, and like ELD stuff is encouraging, um, hearing things like that's encouraging. I had 
a listener tell me at PXO school, they're recommending my podcast as like a, an extra like resource, like, Hey, go listen to this and learn about leadership, which, you know, like it's not required content. It's not part of the curriculum, but like, you know, it's, that's encouraging that like someone cares it's enough a great to resource do that. And it's good to hear that, right. that out. Right. But also like, and it's like, if, unless you're going to formalize a whole bunch of stuff like that, uh, that's like outside and say, this is the curriculum and this is how you access it and go do the damn, like it's, it's a requirement of some kind, or we're going to decide as an institution that this stuff is important. And we're going to make like brick and mortar schoolhouses plus blackboard plus whatever else, you know, however we want to deliver the curriculum, which I think like a high, a hybrid approach would be huge. And it's like, go pay somebody to develop an app that just like has all this content ready, readily accessible, like audiobooks, podcasts, videos, lectures, whatever. Um, and then organize it in some type of way. This is like digest it this way, or this is the stuff that's required. And then you got to do some kind of um, like either like a teach back or a debrief or like a, right. uh, we're going to have like a round table where we talk about it and you get to ask questions and have discussions with those types of people. Cause it would be a lot more productive if you had that 40 minute session with somebody that really passionately cares about this stuff after doing all that stuff, like after doing some other things that led into that, instead of just coming in blind and going, ah, we're here to answer your leadership questions. It's like, right. I don't even know what to ask, you know, at that level. I don't, and I so don't, like, I don't, I don't know what my questions are. Right, exactly. And so it's like, if, if there was a life cycle where it starts at the very beginning, where we're like, we're teaching people at the very beginning, like, how to be good followers and, and can't maybe giving them a preview of E4 leadership. And then when they get to the E4 position, okay, now there's an E4 curriculum of some kind and then E5, E6, E6 you know, and it's like, to me, chiefs E7, like you make chief and within a two year window, you should be at the senior enlisted Academy and all the senior chiefs and mass chiefs should be doing something else. Like, they, like capstone style. Like you're at the end of the end of the road. Like if you're going to go be a CMC, go through Cobb CMC course, and like some type of capstone event at the senior list Academy or at some other new whatever. But it's like the, the senior listed Academy is what we, it should, that should be the baseline for chief petty officers across the entire Navy. Cause that's the rub is like, like, okay, we're going to have these CMCs come talk to you, or we're going to have uh, chiefs attached to the Naval Academy divisions or brigades or whatever they call them. Or we're going to have uh, like a, a prime, a prime directive of chief petty officers on a ship is to teach a divo how to divo. And it's like, okay, what if the chief is incompetent? What if the chief has never been taught? And I don't mean that, like I say that all the time and I, and I always have this fear that people are going to think I'm like just crapping on chiefs. And I'm like, of course I'm, I'm not. Look around the room. But like what I'm saying is that if you've never been trained and qualified to do a thing, of course you don't know how to do it. But none of these people are going to admit that. We have to fix the problem as an institution. Because it's like when you go to the Senior List Academy, you hear these people talk, it's like, they're all taught. They all they're acting like they're the bee's knees, man. They're walking around like like with a limp, like a pimp limp, you know, and it's just like you're they're not walking. what you think. Yeah, you're not what you think you are. You're not like just because your your uh, incompetence has been validated with promotions and awards and, and advancement in position throughout your career doesn't mean that that validation is like us telling you you're the best leader ever. It's us telling you. Like we graded you on a curve and you were within quota. Like we need to promote somebody and you're it. And I, that includes me. I'm not just me making master chief. Like one, I didn't think it would happen anyway. Cause I got a giant mouth, but also like, I thought for sure I was going to retire chief, but then it's like I, there, 
if you look at my, I knew I was going to make it when it got close. Cause it's like, I looked at my competition and I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm totally going to make it. That's a small community. Yeah. And it's like, I knew where I was at in the pecking order, but it's like, if they're, if we were doing a great job of developing chiefs as leaders, it's like the people would like, you would then be able to rely a little bit more on them to do some of these things. They still don't have the bandwidth for like command delivered training and all the crap that they keep trying to do where we're going to utilize somebody that's even on shore duty. That's like on instructor duty and has five collateral duties and a kids at home. Oh, oh by the way, you're going to facilitate these endless ELD courses. And it's like, okay, you know, and it's like their heart's not going to be in it because they want to go home and see their family. That's what shore duty is supposed to be. It's like, it's supposed to be some downtime to rest and recuperate. It's not supposed to be me redlining so I can get a bachelor's degree and a volunteer medal and like God knows what else. So I can be the EP and promote, you know? And it's like, but that's what it turns into. And it's like, if, if we did a, if we did a good job of robust leadership development and education, it would solve so many, so many problems so that, when those chiefs are in that position where they're just holding your hand, walking around the ship, showing you how to not be a lost puppy, they actually know what they're doing because a lot of times they don't. And as a result, they either do a terrible job or they don't do it at all. Cause they're just like, Hey, get out of here. Divo. Like I got stuff to do. You know what I mean? Which I'm sure you've yeah. experienced you, at some point. I've seen both sides of that. Do mm. you, uh, do you think there's a desensitization where like, Okay, so I've made. If you made it to the chief level now, and now mm. you're talking about doing, let's say we're starting leadership at the E4 level, we're going to implement mm. some program. Is it at a point where it's hard to go back and be like, okay, this is what needs to happen at that point, and this is the type of lessons that need to be taught, or would it make more sense to have? Because a conversation I had earlier this week too is like, take for mental health for example. If we take somebody who is passionate about it and they're concerned about it. Mm. And we pay and say, hey, go get your professional certification. This we'll pay you for it, mm. and we'll pay you, um, like I don't know, pick a number, fifty thousand dollars to to do this thing. Mm. You're now embedded in the fleet, and you're providing this knowledge, that resource, that backup. Do you think it's worthwhile having a program like this kind of developed by like your front running E fours with some oversight, or do you think it's something that would need to happen at you know that E seven E nine level? are you talking about developing like leadership development programs? Or are you talking about like specific program? Like, okay, you're passionate about mental health. So we're going to make you, I don't even know like what you would do for that. Like, cause most mental health providers, I mean, that's like a master's degree and a license, but like, you, I th like it, it would depend on what we're talking about. Um, but I think even if, so like, let's say mental health, right? Like, let's say we, we really address it, did a better job of having, so you have like providers on an aircraft carrier. There's like a, they hilariously called a psycho, uh, but like the psych officer, he's like, I think they're 06 like psychiatrists, which, okay. I mean, like at that level, <laughs> I'm willing to bet that dude doesn't want to be underway on a ship, but, and there's probably a bunch of like lieutenants running around. Like my psychologist was a lieutenant and he was amazing. But, uh, I think you could do a way better job of empowering, uh, like, especially if you got like a, a first class that has gotten a master's degree in whatever, like psychology or social work, and then they want to go get a license to do it. And it's like, yeah, go get a license to do it. And, and then if that person could then be a mental health provider in the civilian world, why can't we let a first class do that? 
Like, and I would pay him more money too, a hundred percent. And I don't, but I don't want that to be treated like it's the only answer. But I do think, because because like everybody, when we talk about mental health, they're just focused on increasing resources to address the demand. And it's like that you got to reduce the demand. Like you got to figure out what the root cause is and actually fix it. There's two sides to it. Right. But I do think like from a lot, I've seen a lot of threads on Reddit and just had people email me and blah, blah, blah about like when they do go try to access mental health care on a carrier, they basically get told to pack sand, like walk it off, blah, blah, blah. And it's probably, I suspect I've never been on an aircraft carrier that they're overwhelmed. And so like if they rapidly, some HM2 is like assessing them and deciding that, ah, oh, you're fine. And then they don't even make it to a provider. And it's like, but what if I've got an E5 or an E6 that have a master's degree or are willing to earn one on a shore duty and they come back to see as a master's degree wielding person and there's some program to not only pay what there i mean there's already programs to pay for that but maybe we develop another one to like add on to it or something but then you also will pay for the license licensure which they may even do that through navy cool i have no idea i'd have to look but you come up with some kind of a mechanism like that where now that first class isn't billeted as hm1 like basic it's HM1 mental health provider. And now they're just like the first point of contact within that cycle of like, okay, maybe I don't need them to go see a psychologist or the psychiatrist or whatever. I can, and, and that person's a legitimate licensed provider. Why not? I, I love that idea. I think that'd be incredible. Or like if an E4, there's a program, I'm assuming it still exists, where if, if you come in enlisted and you already have, like I had a kid, come in and he used to write like textbooks he got like a phd in like uh um irish history or something like something you're never gonna get a job with but like super smart kid and, and i used to talk to him on watch all the time and be like so what is a democratic monarchy and how does it work like why is there still a king and queen in england and he would explain it all to me and it was super and, interesting. and he'll talk your ear off and you're like oh, oh yeah Oh yeah, it was amazing. It was the funnest watches when I would, I would, I would when I would write the watch bill. I was a section leader for a while. I would write him on my watch with. He's going me, on so, my watch. Too. Yeah, so just so I could talk to him about all this stuff on the mid watch, and then, uh, but he there was a program where he, when he came in, he had just a ton of student debt, and instead of coming in as an officer and still having all that student debt because he already completed the degree, you come in enlisted and they pay it all off for you. And so it's like, what if you go start targeting some of these people? They pay off all your college debt and you get paid more money than a, than a cookie cutter. And like, those are the type of people that it's like, even if they come in at a lower pay grade, like I think you could bring them in as like an E4 at max. And then maybe they accelerate a little faster than everyone else. But it's like, I, I have like a, a problem with when you look at leadership development and I want them to develop into competent leaders when we're push buttoning people like and a nuke makes chief in four and a half years. It's like they're not ready. They're never ready. I mean, there are outliers that figure it out, but like that's it's too fast. Like, oh, we're a product of our experience, but I don't have any like, OK, well, then how's that going to work? You know, like, but yeah, it's like I'm OK with that E4 earning more money than me as a, a chief if they're a licensed mental health provider so they can wear the E4 on their sleeve, but I'm trusting them with the level of responsibility that is on a totally a different planet, you know? And it's like, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And I was kind of talking about something similar with somebody this week as well about like, uh, like CTs uh, or ITs, whatever, where like they have all those professional certifications and it's like, 
if they're getting them and they're valuable to the Navy, because like we have as culinary specialists, there's a bunch of certifications you can get that are valuable in the civilian world, but you're not going to get paid wildly more money for them. You know what I mean? Like they're going to like be okay. a prereq for a job. And I mean, like you might get paid a tiny bit more money, but in the civilian culinary industry experience is everything like your resume has to be, you have to have worked and proven yourself at all these places and blah, blah, blah. And so like, but with ITs, it's like, you get certain certifications. It's like Willy Wonka's golden ticket. So it's like that. Oh, yeah. it, and if the, it's that valuable to the civilian industry, it would, you know, stand a reason that it would be that valuable to us. So pay them more money. I don't care. Like give nukes all the money. I don't want to do that job. Like give them all the money. I don't care. Like, but the, the problem I have is giving them increased rank before they've gone through the leadership development that doesn't currently exist really. And mm-hmm. um, like you need to promote it kind of, kind of the same rate just to get the experience that you need within the Navy. Cause there's a difference between being that being an expert at mental health and just being a, a sailor and a leader and a manager of people. It's like, that's a whole different, a whole different skill set that you need to learn and develop and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, I don't want them coming in as first class, like, cause we hire in uh, doctors and stuff like nurses come in as oh threes and like there's certain surgeons and stuff. They'll come in as like a commander and it's like, but you're not a real commander. You're just a surgeon doing surgeon things. And it's like, and it's funny because they got the, they got the ODS school here in Newport. And like, yeah, I remember walking around as a JG when I was here for school Mm. and you got some Oh five Oh six. I walk past him and he salutes me with his left hand. Mm. And it's like, sir, like, Right hand also like we're I, gonna I pretend that you, didn't like, happen. You don't gotta do that. <laughs> Let me conduct some training real quick. Yeah. You're probably a medical guy or a lawyer or something. And yeah. it's I get it, but like it's like also like if they want to come in and serve their country or whatever, it's like I just pay them more money and make them a lieutenant. Like I don't I don't why can't I pay him commander money yeah. and have him walk around in lieutenant bars because of his specialty? And you can put it on his LES as like special duty pay. And it's just like five grand a month or something. Like, I don't care. Pay him right. as a commander. I feel like they get so worked up over that, that, that pay chart. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think, I mean, I, I guess you have some, I don't know, call it respect for the higher rank when they're in mm-hmm. that specialty. I, sure. I, I don't know. I don't um, know how many of those people care about that though. Cause they're not no, really I, I don't functioning do. in that role. Yeah. They, like they don't, every time I've been in like a clinic, um, like there, I'll go in and like, there'll be like this 06 dentist and chillest, chillest person on the planet. And they're yep. calling me by my first name and they're calling the HM3 by their first name. And I'm like, you're not a real officer. Are you? Are, am I like, are you fa- like, what is happening? Did you beat someone up and steal their khakis? Like, and so it's like, yeah, I, I, I don't think they care at all as long as they're getting no. paid what they deserve and they get to serve the country. And honestly, a lot of them probably get burned with a bunch of administrative crap that they don't want nothing to do with. They want to do this. They want to do that thing that they came in to do um, because that's their specialist. They're a surgeon. They're a lawyer. They're a nurse. They're whatever. Let them just be a nurse. And it's like, yeah, they could be a divo as a lieutenant, but like, I mean, and then let them progress through the ranks. But it's like, don't bring them in. Like, even if they're old, it's like, yeah, pay them what they're worth, but they don't need to be a full bird captain. Like let the person that spend, spent 20 years working their way up from 
whatever. I mean, you know, medical corps usually is an O3, I think, but like let them work their way up through the military and make those people the COs. And, and I'm sure there's like an inventory thing. Yeah. Too. Also, I don't care if they can run a 10 minute mile and a half. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't either. Yeah. I mean, if, a, if, if the giant fat dude is a, is a tremendous brain surgeon, like the, I want the fat guy, please. Like I want, yeah. I want the, the person that knows what they're doing. Um, and, and I get it. Like there's certain environments, but like if you put a trauma surgeon in a war zone, like, yeah, I don't want, I want them to be able to run as fast as they can and do whatever they need to do. But you know, there's, there's, all kinds of like specific situations that would be like, okay, yeah, we would need to address that. But overall, I think there's a lot of ways that we could do a lot of that stuff better. God, tonight is fucking ringing. Um, where, uh, like we could do a lot of things better in that, like there's, there's per leadership development programs and, or specific, like specialized programs where we could do stuff like that. And I think it would increase, uh, retention and just like quality of life and you'd see mental health issues dip even like uh, I told a story on one of the podcasts recently like about like I think the up and out policy is ridiculous like I think if a if a 03 nurse wants to be an 03 nurse for 25 years and they're the best nurse ever let them do that why do they got to be a department head or whatever they don't want to do admin they don't want to make schedules they don't want to hire sure. and fire they just want to be a nurse or um, the example I gave was like this nuke mechanic we called him Biff Dude just wanted to turn a wrench. Like, that's what he wanted. He loved, he was never happier than when he was de-bloused, elbow deep in a piece of equipment. And he's probably right? really good at it, too. Oh, yeah. He was amazing at it. And he was really great at teaching the babies how to be competent mechanics. We need that. Like, we we need that guy. And I, I'm, I would be totally fine. Like, if he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be a chief, which is what he did. He, like, refused to qualify an engineering watch supervisor, which is like a hard and fast prerequisite to, to make chief. Like you won't even get looked at at the chief's board. So he's just like, okay, I'm just not going to do that. And they kept trying to get him to do it. They made him LPO a few times. And he's like, I don't want to do this. Just let me teach the babies how to turn a wrench and let me turn a wrench and go away. Like, that's all I want to do. And he, I mean, that's what ended up happening anyway, because they couldn't make him qualify something, but it's, they were like giving him a hard time constantly and kind of, I'm sure he's been made to feel at some point in his career multiple times that he's like less than because he doesn't want to be a chief. And it's like, that's fine. I don't care because what you end up with is a guy that doesn't want to be a chief making chief. And I don't want that either because then you get a chief that is counterproductive. Like it's just operating counterproductively and doing more harm than good generally. And, you know, not maliciously, they just don't want to be there and don't want to be doing that thing. So their heart's not in it. And it's like, I want, if somebody wants to just be a technician and the highest rank they ever achieve is E5, but we, again, like the licensure or the certifications or the experience or the whatever, it's like paying more money. Like if he can get out with all that experience and skills and certifications and whatever, and go get a job paying like 200 grand a year or something to be some senior level expert, whatever the, you know, thing at a three letter agency or at a DOD, like a shipyard or whatever then pay him more money to stay in the Navy so that we keep that competency and experience and can pass that on to the people below. And it's like, I'm, I don't, I don't know anybody that would have a real issue with that one, because like you're just getting paid your value. So if you want to get paid that, do what he's doing. And you'd have such retention at all these places that we're currently struggling. Like anybody with a heartbeat can get six figures to join the Navy right now that's absurd. Like something went horribly, horribly wrong. So 
maybe like if we address up and out policy so that you start retaining some of these people just in the jobs that they want to be doing in the first place, because a lot of people separate because they don't want to be a chief or they don't want to be a department head or an XO or a CEO. It's like if, if there are probably submarine JOs and, and maybe you could provide context on this for me for the surface side that like if all they had to do was like come to the ship and be a shit hot officer of the deck and like, you know, like, okay, yeah, I'll do some Devo stuff, but whatever. Like, I'm just going to come do the, like the cool guy stuff that a submarine does and be the dude on the con. We like, there's certain times and I don't remember what made it happen. I think it was when, uh, JOs decided to separate, they would come back to a submarine and they weren't a department head, but they would call them super JOs. Cause it was their second boat and they were fully qualified and had all this experience. So they'd come back and they're like kind of a department head, but not really. And they were just around being awesome and like standing off to the deck and like mentoring the JOs and stuff. And I'm like, there's a lot of value in having one of those on every submarine in the fleet. That's not, it doesn't have the burden of being a department head and is just a specialist at fighting the ship. Like I'm just really good at being the officer of the deck and putting warheads on foreheads and iron on the bottom. So let's, let's do that and pay him a bunch of money to do it. And it's like, let him do it as long as he wants. Like maybe he's a lieutenant. Maybe we give him an oak leaf at some point, but he just, that's where he peaks. But we just pay him a bunch of money to continue being that like gray beard at being officer of the deck. Like instead of saying he's got to be a commanding officer first. And then after he's forgotten what it's like to be the person that's, that is operating on the con. Cause you see like a lot of skill erosion when they have to have their attention on everything else in some of these COs where it's like, I've been in situations where the CO thinks he knows what's going on, comes onto the con when something's going wrong and just starts giving orders with like, he's got no clue what's happening and, and ends up doing more harm than good. And it's like, well, shut up for a second and let all these people that are professionals that were here when it started going wrong, that have all the information that you don't troubleshoot. Like, let me do my job. I'm pretty good at it. Like, and instead he just come in and start screaming because he was concerned that he was going to be a Navy Times headline. And it's just like, dude, relax and let like if you did your job correctly as a leader, your team is trained and qualified to do what they do and they're going to do it. So just like unless you're positive, something's going horribly wrong. You have all the information and you can come in with your cape tied around your poopy suit and save the day. It's like, shut up and stay out of their way. Like the officer deck knows what they're doing. The diving officer watch knows what they're doing. The chief of the watch knows what they're doing. Everybody else like calm down. Let, let us work through it and let us brief you so that you actually know what's going on. But yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, there's a the, lot of good that could be had there. The, I think that getting paid more mm -hmm. is, it's not a bad idea, but I don't think that's actually going to retain people. Right. Really? At the end of the day, I think, well, sure. People like money, but I think yeah. the main issue is that I, I, I can speak personally, right? Yeah. All of my friends that were, we were in Spain together, you know, underway probably 80% of the year for, for yeah. three years is all those guys are getting out Yep, and they are some of the best, yep. uh, you know, best leaders, most tactically proficient people I know. Yeah. And you know, myself included, right. I don't want to deal with, you know, those additional requirements. I don't want to deal with the, I don't want to fulfill the department head role. Right. Um, Right. I've seen the way they're treated. I've seen the the, yep. the limited actual what they can control within that that realm. Yeah. Um, and all those guys have basically said like, "Hey, what would like we, we talk like what, what would get us back in the Navy afterwards?" And like, mm -hmm. 
if you told me that we were going to go to World War III in a naval battle, and you mm. could just sit me in the chair as the surface or the air, or put me up on the bridge as OD and like yeah. driving the ship, and I get to drive it how I'm trained and how I know how to do it well, they're mm. like, sign me up. I will come back and do that. Yeah. Um, and I think that ties to your uh, your point about you know letting them do their job and, and good leadership is making sure your people are trained to do that um, and then letting them have at it. Because that was one of our biggest frustrations is like we've mm. had leaders where they have no clue what they're doing. <laughs> and so they just try to enact themselves on you and yeah. it just erodes everything. Yep. Um, so like yep. I said, the money piece, I think, I think that's good that you include that, but people don't necessarily do it just for the money. There's some people that will do it for the money. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's the a culture reset is- that needs to happen for sure. Like, and I, yes, if you re- if, if part of that leadership development can like life cycle, when, if it were to happen, like if I can make, wave my magic wand and make it happen, part of that would be remediating senior leadership. Um, and that would have to, there'd have to be buying all the way at the, all the way at the tippy top. You'd have to have a, a CNO that's like zoom walt on, but like on leadership, that's just going to go around, advocate, tell everybody, this is the main priority that like, you need to trust your people. You, you trained and qualified them, sir. So like, because that's the thing, like if I'm sitting in do- the diving officer washer, like I've, I ha- I've had a CO stare me in the face saying like, why do I even have you here? Like you're incapable of doing this job. I'm like sitting there in my head. I'm like, well, you qualified me stand by to be relieved, but you never do. So why don't you just stop being an asshole? Get the fuck out of control. And let me do my job. Like, because half of the reason why I'm having an issue is because you're barking in my ear while I'm trying to take a submarine, a periscope depth. It's like one of the most dangerous things we do. And I got him talking shit the whole time. And it's like, shut up. Like I'd be doing a lot better job if I didn't have my commanding officer interrupting every, cause I'm like giving people orders. They're like changing planes angles. And I'm telling the chief of the watch to move ballast and doing all these things. It's like, I got a lot going on right now. And one of them is trying to not get us all hunk of steel through the wall. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to not get us all killed. So if you shut up, I, I, I wouldn't be distracted. I, cause like, do I have, I don't have time to stop and answer your questions about why I'm doing what I'm doing. How about just let me do it instead of assuming I'm going to fail. And then when I do, because you won't shut up, Oh, see, I told you like, man, like if you weren't a commander, I would knock your teeth down your fucking throat. Like it was, there was more than one occasion where I'm like, you're lucky. You're lucky that I like my paycheck because I like, there was a time where, um, sorry, I got a footnote curse words because <laughs> for when I go back and edit, but, um, uh, it was, there was a time where like something happened. He had no, he was wrong. He had no idea what had ha- actually happened. Like I got a, a, it was my first chief of the watch requalified watch on a new platform of submarine ever. And of course they put me on the, Hey, we're going to submerge the ship in the Puget sound, which is really complicated and hectic and dangerous. And it's my first watch ever requalified on an Ohio class submarine. And I've, so I've never stood it on an Ohio class submarine. I stood on a different platform requalified on Ohio. So, um, I got an order that didn't make sense from the contact coordinator. Who's the officer that's over there doing like the, you know, navigation stuff and uh tracking contacts and whatever and he gave me an order to secure and lower the radar which isn't that's not a thing like i don't have control over the radar i can lower the radar mass that's a thing i can do but like 
secure and low. I'm like, what does that mean? And so like, I tried to question him. It's super hectic. There's too many people in control. No one seems to care. So he doesn't hear me. So then I turned to, there was some guy behind me monitoring too, which was super obnoxious. So I asked them, like, what does that mean? I can't secure the radar. And they didn't answer me either. They just kind of shrugged. So then the dive, who's like the most experienced dude on the boat at all these things, uh, but he's like, like it's hectic. And he's like zoned in on the ship's control panel and like kind of freaking out himself because he's worried about like the COs in control, the XOs in control, the COBS. It's like not helping. But uh, so I tried to ask him and I had to ask him like three times, finally got him to answer me. He goes, no, yeah, it's fine. Lower the radar mass. I'm like, okay. And I took it to lower. Soon as I did, the contact order is like, stop, 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 stop. So then I take it to stop. So then the CO immediately comes into control. It assumes that I just blindly followed a messed up order, starts screaming at me in control. And like at the end of the, the exchange, he's like, fuck you, senior chief, fuck you. And then walks out of control. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to beat the shit out of it. I would twist that guy's head off. And I'm like, and, and again, like I'm a, I'm, at this point, I'm like a 17 year senior chief. So I'm like, not yet, man. Not yet. We can't go out like this. And so I'm just like, I, I, but had it, I mean, you do that in a different context. I'm going to bounce your head off the wall until you lie down involuntarily. You know what I mean? Like that's just, but these dudes, they're in that position and they think that, and they're, they're just incompetent at leadership and they think that that's the move. And it's like one, no, it's not two. That's why you lose people. Like it's a big reason why I'm not the chief of chief of the boat on a submarine right now. It's not the only reason. Like I got a bunch of medical stuff, want to be home with my family, blah, blah, blah. But like I was going all the way for a long time. And then that experience on that submarine, particularly with that CO, I was just like, if I was yeah. the cob, I would, I would have killed that dude. Like I just, he was, he was bipolar. He's like the nicest dude in the world. In because we were two crew submarines, so when you're in the OCAB, which is like the off crew building, nicest dude in the world. He would call me in my in his office, tell me his life story. We would like chop it up in there all the time. And he's a fun dude to talk to, super smart. Like I don't, I don't think he's a bad person. I just think that like, and and I understand like, I understand like on the outside looking in that the burden of command is a mother. Like I, I understand. I, I get the, I get that you're, un, you're under an unfathomable amount of stress, and you want to be an admiral when you grow up, probably. So it's like I get that you, the, the type of stress you're under, but also it's not my fault. You like you chose to be here, sir. So like, relax and be a bet, be better. Like let me be, the, let like let me be in this position. If he had asked some questions, he he had zero reasons to yell at me. Like I did what I was told after questioning what I knew to be an incorrect order for a thing that I couldn't do. And I challenged it three times to multiple people. And then my senior watch station, like I'm subordinate to this watch station told me, no, you're good. Lower the radar mass. So I did. I'm like, how, what, yeah. what was I supposed to do? I'm, I, it's my very first watch. I'm a little stressed, obviously. Like I'm a little nervous, like, yeah, I'm qualified, but like, damn, like this is different. Like the, the boat I qualified on, we had touch screens and stuff. This was an old boat. We had like knobs and little man, like manual needle gauges and stuff. Like it was a totally different universe. And so it's not like I'm super confident and proficient, even though I'm qualified and I didn't have a babysitter. And the guy that was the dive, like he was very competent and proficient, but he was also doing something else. So like, that's just the way it went down. And 
I like what else, what else were we going to do there? Like I challenged that order so many times and, and you kind of, at some point you got to lower that thing so we can submerge the ship. So I'm like, I just, I'm like, all right, like I, maybe it's different on this platform and I missed that part of my notes or something. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, all right, fine. Everybody's telling me that this is cool. So at what point am I like, at what point am I supposed to like continue to challenge it? Like I, what? And I, like conspicuously didn't get removed from watch standing because I did everything correctly. But did he ever apologize? Did he ever come back and say, yeah, you know, my bad foot in my mouth. I like, I didn't ask the right question. Yeah. I mean, I would have done that. I did that all the time. If I snapped on one of my guys because I didn't ask the right questions and then found out like either while I'm like flipping out or after the fact that, Oh, had I asked a couple of qualifying questions, I would have never had a reason to flip out. I would go back and apologize to him. Be like, dude, I'm sorry. I like, I should have asked like my bad. You didn't do anything wrong. Like just, you know, but it's yeah, that kind the, of stuff is why I don't want to do it. You know, the frustrating part um, for a lot of us from, from that first tour in Spain is that, you know, a very similar experience. Um, mm-hmm. You are, you are in the moment in the wash station, you are doing what you're supposed to do and you realize that there's something wrong. And yeah. so you either, number one, you either have to take action and fix it immediately and then right. you can backfill. Um, or you try to get assistance. And th- there was a situation where we were, um, I was standing off to the deck. We were up in the uh, the Baltic for Baltops, you know, interoperability, a bunch of uh, other nations up there. And we're just driving in donuts with other mm. ships about 500 yards apart. And for us, our safe water, we draw a line in our charting. Yeah. It's like, hey, don't go outside this line because right. then you're starting to get to that shoal water and this circle of ships that we're driving in um you know the circle's getting tighter and these mm-hmm. other ships have different requirements than the u.s navy right and i'm going to have to drive outside of this imaginary line that we drew yeah <laughs> in order to keep in the circle otherwise i have to cross across i'm gonna have to drive across you know three of these vessels and i'm gonna get right. t-boned and so as the trained and competent wash sanders that we are, we took a look at mm-hmm. it and say, Hey, I still have three miles of good water here. Like yeah. I can keep following the circle. Gave the nav a call. Nav's like, Hey, yeah, that's good. Just give the CO a heads up. Okay. Man, when I gave that CO a call, yeah. um, I was almost removed from the, from the deck came running up. Um, without even doing it, just asking. Oh no. I, I called and said, Hey, by the way, I'm oh, exiting your I'm, imaginary line. I'm doing it. Okay. Because, if I don't, your ship is going to have a hole in the side of it from another ship. Yeah. Um, and came came flying up, you know, cursed out on the bridge. Uh, and I was like, all right, whatever. I Sure, I'm completely yeah. wrong. You're 100% right. Whatever. Stand by to be relieved, sir. Like. Exactly. I, but that I was back, what I. I went, God. I went down yeah. to the cabin afterwards after watch. And I was like, hey, because I, I can pull up the track history. Hey, yeah. this is what happened when I called you. I showed her and I explained everything. And the response was, mm, no, uh, don't do that. And you're going to basically don't, do what I say. Don't I was do like, what though? Like, exactly. That, like, so you're, you're, cause your options were either get T-boned yeah, a collision. or drive outside the imaginary line. <laughs> right, right. So in safe and, and water that we just were like, it was water. a buffer. It's a buffer. The navigators like, cleared everything. Like we're yeah. good to go. Um, and so that is just an example of, yeah, definitely not an isolated incident of a similar scenario. It was like yeah. the entire wardroom being put at attention 
Um, and our, funny enough, one of our, our main propulsion assistants getting yelled at by the CEO after we're put at attention for side-eyeing, yeah. trying to see like, hey, what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, for you know, failing inspection that we had one day's notice on for the entire ship yeah. um, w- with our schedule. And so it's those instances with that senior leadership, that, that commanding officer, um, yeah. that I think is what drives people Dude. away. Yeah, and leadership well, and saying, confidence. That, that, man. that money, that money can't fix that that sort of you know systematic yeah. problem. I'm not saying that it can. I'm saying that like leadership development and education can, and those pe- those type of people, like I think, like I think you could remediate some of them if presented the right way. It would have to be, um, like, so I'm pursuing a PhD in psychology. So maybe an old guy like graybeard like me, after I get my PhD, comes in and explains to them like the human motivations, like, like people's needs, sense of belonging, all these kinds of things. And like, they're listening because of my credentials and experience, not because like you could explain the same thing if you read the same books, but it's like, you'd have to do it in a certain type of way. And I don't even think you'd reach everyone. But the funny thing is that, and, and this is like, I, I operate in a lot of like anecdotal data points that I'm like, I mean, I'm interpreting them this way. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But I read this article, um, well, it's like a letter that uh, it was Rear Admiral Howe, I forget his first name. He was the commandant of the War College and he released this article or like a, again, I think it was like a letter, but I don't remember. I think it was like his like, I'm out, I'm going somewhere else. And he just like addressed the letter to the War College or something. But uh, it it's it said, so he's the commandant of the War College, post command, he's wearing stars to work. And he's leading the organization that's in charge of like everything, like the senior enlisted Academy, the Naval leadership and ethics center, everything, like all the officer stuff, everything. Um, And in this paper, he, he writes, he basically said, as commandant of the war college, I had these revelations and I'm going to talk to you about them. And there were like three bullets. And one of them was that leadership is the most important thing. And he went into like why he thinks that. And I'm like, okay, let's recap a post command tour flag officer who just completed their tour as the commandant of the Naval War College just figured out that leadership is the most important thing. What does that say about everybody else? Like, and, and not, not just all the other officers out in the Navy doing the damn thing, but every single student that got put through all of those schools while he was commandant of the war college. It's like, when did you have this revelation, sir? Like yesterday? a month ago, a year ago, like, and also it happened while you were coming out of the war college. And that's really telling to me that like, of course your CEO is behaving that way. Of course my CEO is behaving that way. Of course, a lot of other CEOs are behaving that way. They're incompetent. And again, not an insult. It's just a statement of like our current status. Like it's just, these people have never been taught or educated on how to do these things. And what's interesting to me is like, there are outliers out there. Like I talked to a, he's now a Commodore, but uh, he was a commanding officer of a submarine. And uh, I think he's retiring after the, he told me he was retiring after the Commodore tour. Um, but he was, he's in a kind of an exception to the uh, traditional mold of an 1120 on a submarine where uh, they usually have like engineering centric degrees or somewhere in that, in that realm. And this dude, like he, I guess he came in a time where it wasn't a requirement. If it is a requirement, I'm not really sure. But you just, that's what you get accepted in the Naval Nuclear Power Program nowadays, but at least for submarines. Um, and, and he had like a music degree. Like he was just a different dude. 
and got, you know, worked his way through the ranks, became commanding officer of submarine, but he was way more interested in like taking care of his people and like, like, and they'll take care of the mission and developing them as leaders. And like, they're not just pieces of a, uh, they're not like consumables that I can just like run through to get the thing done. It's like, no, I right. need them and I care about them and I'm going to treat them like they're human beings and I'm going to trust them and I'm going to train and qualify them and all those things. And it's just like, I know a bunch. So like I got connected with him through a bunch of dudes that got out of the Navy. So now they have no vested interest in saying anything but the truth. And, uh, we're all served under him as, and they were his CEO and they all like, they all got out at like the E5 level. Every single one of them was just like best CEO ever. Like he's amazing. And all these reasons why, and they tell all these stories. They even, they were doing like a, a podcast and I, I don't know if he's still doing it, but they were doing it for a while. Um, and they brought him on and they had like a can of conversation about what it was like to serve under him and how great he was and how they appreciated him. And I'm like, that's the best legacy ever. In my opinion, like that dude, those kids are out of the Navy. Like they don't, they could say whatever they want to you right now. And they're singing his praises on a podcast. And it's just like, yeah, that's a big deal, but he's an outlier. He's, he's an, he's an anomaly. That's literally the name of that podcast episode is like, cause he is, and it's not normal. I've never encountered him except for when I was on a special project submarine, which is, it's a one of one tip of the spear. You're going to get the best dude going through the pipeline. And we did. And they were the incredible COs that we had. One of them went on to be a flag officer. I don't, I think he's retired now. And then the second one I had was a captain and he retired in DC and now he's doing like SES stuff. Um, but amazing COs. But then every other normal submarine I've been on, they're horrible. I've never had a, I don't, let me, well, let me think. Like, I don't think first boat, definitely not. Well, no, I, my first one was good, but he left. I only had him as my CO for like five minutes and I never interacted with him. Like probably the first six or eight months that I was on board, he was my CO. And he went on to be a, an admiral that <clears throat> was in charge of like the Virginia boat program. Uh, he was a good dude, but yeah, second one was horrific. And then Jimmy Carter, when I was there, both of them were just amazing. And I heard the dude after them, he called him Billy Blanks because he looked like the Thai bow guy. But and he was like a workout, like a Terminator at working out on the boat yeah. and stuff. And apparently he was amazing, too. So it's just like they just you get the best dudes there. But then, yeah, last boat, I had the I had the same CEO the whole time, except the very end when we went to the ship bar, we combined crews. And I got I, so then the the CEO I had left because he was at the end of his tour. And that guy stayed as like the green crew CEO. And he was hot garbage, too. Everybody hated him. Like I, I, it was worse. Yeah. I, it, like I didn't think it could be worse. It was worse on their side. Like their morale and the way that he micromanaged them and just like openly uh, bullied and like we'd they'd be at like a night work meeting briefing maintenance and he's like openly bullying JOs in front of junior enlisted and first classes and chiefs and just it it was he was horrific and uh, yeah man like it's just I I don't know like I don't know if it's ever going to change, but it's, that's why, man, it's just, they're incompetent. And, and the money thing, I don't think fixes that, but what it would fix is like a dude like you, that's in an instructor job that is very like, I'm, you know, I have no data, but like you're, I'm assuming you're pretty competent at what you do. It's like to keep a dude like you around or your buddy around or whatever doing that. Like, what if I made you a GS, whatever makes enough money to keep you around. And you just did that. And then, or like maybe you stayed in as a reserve officer or like a full-time supporter is probably more relevant. 
and like you just instructed and then periodically went out on ships and, and, and taught them. So you got like almost like a proficiency and you like maybe you stand a couple watches just to like, uh, I don't know if they call them these this on surface ships, but on submarines we have like sometimes we'll have a kick out if we have enough guys qualified where like you'll be four set or you'll be three section or four section or whatever. And like every so every like third watch, you don't stand watch because there's an extra guy right. that every 18 to 24 or whatever it is stands that watch. So like maybe you do that for the week that you're out there just to get your proficiencies in. And you're just like this hyper skilled and experienced officer of the deck that almost exclusively just teaches and trains and certifies people. You know what I mean? Like, why not? Yeah, if mean, that's, if that's got, what you wanted to do. They've got some programs, uh, specifically like they're getting into the, uh, they call them witties, WTIs, the, the weapon tactics mm -hmm. instructors who are like, they're specializing in things mm -hmm. like, you know, mind warfare, uh, integrated mm -hmm. air missile defense, surface, subsurface, all those things. Yeah. But that is what they do for, part of their tour yeah. and all it is is basically it ends up as sort of like a certification mm -hmm. um where they've got this knowledge they've got this schooling and they're extremely proficient in the tactics and they are developing new tactics within these programs mm -hmm. but then they have to go back and they're still a part of the entire same pipeline that you go right through. and, and if, squander all their skills and certifications pretty much yeah, unless the, they're uh, training well, I mean, within the unit i guess but they are. I mean, they're training and they're staying up to date. Like they, those individuals are. They know their shit, right? Yeah, right. Um, the, um, but for me, I really like that idea, and I've talked about it with some of my my previous department heads. It's like, hey, I have no desire to be a department head on right. a ship, yeah. but that is my own. That is my only next option mm -hmm. if I want to stay in the Navy from this point. Either that, or I let transfer to another community, which yeah. is also very unlikely because of you know how far I've, how far I am in my current community and meeting timelines, right. et cetera, et cetera, right? Right. Because uh, they're so focused on that that promotion aspect and meeting the next milestone. Yeah. But if yeah. you gave me an opportunity where I can go and I can just be that OD, I can be a, a mm -hmm. damn good officer of the deck, or right. I can be you know, tactical action officer, TAO, uh, you know, one of the warfare leads, air, surface, yeah. subsurface. If I can just go do that job and train individuals and I don't have right. to worry about trying to go on to do, uh, you know, the, the department head XOCO mm. role, I think you would have a lot of people yeah. very interested in that. But the, but the I, problem yeah, is, I agree. how do you keep people within the normal pipeline? Because you still well, have to feed that too. I would say like you would have to do something where there's quotas like you'd have there'd have to be limits to it, obviously, because like I've seen um, I had an, an engineer, which is a department on a submarine for the nukes. It's like what I, I don't know how it works, but like he was a lieutenant commander and they like frock you as a lieutenant commander. You're like not really a lieutenant commander until the end of your tour or something. It's like a, some kind of an incentive to be an eng, but they wear it. Um, and then I think they advance like towards the end or like whenever they're not the what do they call the line number or whatever like whenever the normal thing happens they would lineal numbers and everything yeah, yeah yeah um so the he got to he was like a dude that like by the time he got to the end of his engineer tour he looked like he wanted to suck starter shotgun like he was just over it he didn't want to be an xo or co so he uh lat transferred somehow to be an engineering like some engineering duty officer or something like at the yeah, shipyard EDO. yeah and and it's like 
if they're like, all you'd have to do is, is create an off ramp at some point where you're not, you're not going to be an unrestricted line officer anymore. You're going to be a specialist of some kind, like a tactical, whatever the, I don't know. Like I don't speak surface, but like, you know what I mean? Like whatever that specialty would be, you just create an off ramp where you're like, I'm, I'm forfeiting my right to progress, to be a CEO or whatever. I just want to specialize. I don't want to be a CEO. I can stay Mm -hmm. here and I'm happy. Yeah, and you could even continue to advance and maybe you don't go past commander ever, but like, because you're not going to be a CO anywhere, but you're going to be, maybe you'd be like an OIC of a detachment or something, like an LDO. So it's like you create an off-ramp where you become some type of a specialty where we, so that way, because like all you're doing is is creating like a, a, band, a bandage to put on the bullet hole of losing all of that tactical knowledge and experience so that I can not only maintain it, but I'm going to keep you in a role that you're happy with. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, as an organization, right. I'm going to benefit from that by turning you around and having you train people and, um, keep them proficient and certify them to do things and whatever. And yeah, like you're only, you're only, everybody doesn't get to do it. Just like everybody doesn't get to do anything. Everybody doesn't get to be the CEO of a submarine, but it's like, if you created that off ramp, I think you'd retain a lot of hyper competent people that would, just make us better and smarter. And you could structure it in a way that like, because you guys love it, obviously it's like, I could structure it in a way where like, maybe occasionally we TAD you to a ship for a deployment because they're short on JOs. And all you're doing is that you're going to be an officer of the deck and you're going to, or a whatever lead or whatever, or maybe that's your C tour. And maybe they create a, a, a function where you can go to a ship and you're only doing that. You're not a department. And you don't have to worry about, a, you know, the, yeah. the department or your division or things right. like that. You're just focused right. there as the warfighter. And, and maybe they set it up like, so like we would go to sea and when we would go on deployment to do mission, we would bring like a bunch of spooks with us, right? Like, so maybe in that case, like, okay, we're going to go on mission and we need a, a hyper competent officer of the deck. So they're, they'll fly you out, you meet the ship, you jump on for the two months that that's going to be where they're operating in areas where they would need somebody like you. And then you're gone. And maybe they even have people that specialize in AOR. So you're like the Middle East guy or you're the, I don't know, med guy or whatever. Um, there's a, t- sure. there's so many, there's so many ways to do it where, where we get to retain all of your skills and knowledge and experience and you get to do something that actually makes you happy and pays you at a, at a rate that keeps you around. Cause I think that is a big part of it eventually where people get to a point where they're like, I'm getting paid as an O3 still like, nah, this ain't gonna work. You know, like I, I could go yeah. out in corporate America and make way more money. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of, a lot of ways that we could do it if we were willing to abandon this archaic structure that we have with like the up and out and the very strict, like if you're an unrestricted line officer, that's a slow, these are the wickets and you had this much time doing this and make sure you do all these things so that you can promote. And then you do this and then, or, or like you have a menu of like three things that you need to do, punch that wicket and then go back to another C command. Cause I talked to my supply officer about it a bunch and it, it just seemed absurd. Like how married they were to this ridiculous career progression that they had. And they, because they're supply officers, they've turned it into this really weird, like, they're trying to replicate some like corporate business environment where it's all about who, you know, and networking and all that. They have all these stupid networking events and it's, it's like, they're trying to pretend they're sort of not in the military, but then they also have this ridiculous like structure of like, you got to do all these things. But then even if you do all the things that are required for you to progress 
if you don't like go, uh, I don't know, grease the right palms or like rub the right elbows, you're not going to get what you want anyway. Or that's the gateway to get those jobs. So you can punch your ticket to the next thing and all that. It's so it's gross, man. Like it's, I, I, I really don't like it. Cause like my last supply officer, he was a prior enlisted nuke electrician. And then he got out, he retired, uh, as an Oh four. And it's like that dude, he was real good at his job. Like he wasn't, yeah. He was kind of a dork. I love him to death, but he's kind of a dork. He didn't do a great job. Like we would go out and do inspections and he was like running the brief with the CO and he was horrible at it. Like he just wasn't good at like public speaking and stuff. He got nervous, Um, but he was a great dude. He was really smart and he really cared about people. Like he was one of those dudes, like a prior enlisted officer that did not forget where he came from at all. Like he, he went way out of his way to like take care of his people and, and like, um, make sure we weren't left behind as supply department. Cause that happens a lot, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, man. Um, I feel like I have leadership questions, but I feel like we've already like, we kind of hit it all in like a roundabout way, man. <laughs> uh, you got any save yeah, rounds or alibis, man? Yeah. No, I'm no, I, some interest. I, I I'm interested by that concept of being able to, be a subject matter expert at the officer mm. level of, yeah you know and say like a, say, just take for example an officer deck like wash station um mm. I'm, I'm playing through my mind though how that would be able to actually happen and they maintain you know their different pathways right. so I, I just i think that's a very interesting topic that would be in i'd be for them to do a test program of that i think mm. would be something very simple um, with relatively low impact, if you take a couple of people to try that out. So just something yeah, I'm thinking I, about now that you've mentioned it. I think what you, the pushback you'll probably get is we already have LDOs and warrants, but it's not, exactly. that's not what I'm talking about. I think you could probably put it under that umbrella, but like the entry point would be instead of like your prior enlisted guy, the entry point is your, you went through that officer pipeline already. Um, and then they convert you over to a different designator and, and, but maybe they just put you under that LDO framework now because it is similar, like in a lot of ways, but it's going to be different in a lot of ways too. So I don't know. Right. More than like, it's, it's, exactly it's different it than the in. technical of, Hey, you're, you're going to be electronics material officer because you right. know, ETs and mm-hmm. you know, that's going to be your specialty as the LDO right. uh, or for the OSs. Right. Um, so I think it's similar that similar framework but it's right. It's not just that like listed a, officer conversion. It's you know, this is it's what the like a lateral. Does. Yeah. Like just mm-hmm. like an off ramp from being a slow. Um, and I, yeah, I think it would be wildly popular. Dude, do some research, brainstorm, start firing off some reels and like, we'll see where we get, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you might be the guy that it, like starts to turn some heads. Yeah. It'll be good, dude. Well, thanks for doing this, man. Uh, I really, I hope uh, next time I see you or we talk, like everybody in the Navy's wearing beards, um, you'll be you'll be close behind the you and all the homies from the test will be close behind the Secnav and whoever else for uh, getting rose petals thrown at your feet. So yeah, I got, and I got a quarter inch head start on people right now. Hell yeah, you do. <laughs> it looks good, man. I'm I'm yeah, impressed I'll considering take it considering where you started because like you know not everybody can have this scraggly homelessness. It's pretty good. Yeah, no, that <laughs> one's looking good. It's not bad. I'm not mad about it. I got to learn how to groom it a little better so that I don't look well, so... You, uh, you got the beard oil in there? Uh, so I've tried a few different kinds, but like the one I was using was like uh, irritating my skin a little bit. So 
okay. still experimenting right now. I'm just like, I'll shampoo it. And my wife's got this like Gucci shampoo and conditioner. So I just use that, but nice. it's all right. I got to find some, some oil and some products. Like I got, I do have like, I got my little beard comb shout out to Detroit grooming company. I don't know if you can see it, but yeah, I, I liked, that was like my first, as soon as it got long enough, I'm like, I need all the, I need all the toys now. Like I, I want do. all the things. I want all the things. I was sitting in class and just stroke it and like comb it sometimes. It's good. It's good. It's awesome. Highly recommend it. All right. I hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, had a great time talking to him. Uh, it's, I think you'll see him again in some capacity because I, I have every intention of supporting him uh, in that run cross country for mental health when, when that comes to fruition, however it does. Um, and then, yeah, like the beards thing. I'm, I'm pretty pumped that... It, it, it's being looked at in a very serious way. Um, and I don't know that everybody at large knows that. Uh, like there's a lot of questions during the Reddit AMA with the Mick Pond about beards and he was very not willing to talk about it. Um, head scratch, you know, like skeptical hippo eyes. But like I, I, uh, I think there's things going on. I think the ball is rolling in a way that people... Uh, weren't aware of previously and here we are where it, it it sure looks like there are there's like two sides to the coin where like there's forces that want it to happen and forces that don't and i don't know like based on this conversation at least it sure seems like the forces that want beards is, are gonna win so at least it, like it in some way maybe like at sea it's a non-starter but on shore everybody gets beards who or some kind of hybrid weird hybrid thing where you have to keep it like shorter um and and maybe i don't know like some other some other rules or, or limitations while you're at sea and in areas where you might have to you know like if you're an instructor at a dc trainer you, you know what i mean like you got to get face seals as well so who knows it depends on the actual results of the study obviously uh and then the recommendations made based on that so let's cross our fingers i mean i i don't gotta worry about nothing but like you know like it would be a huge retention tool and recruiting tool i think so uh yeah like good times uh had by all it was it was super fun and i appreciate him doing it uh if you need anything from us as always hit us up don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com you can facebook message us don't give up the ship podcast or you can dm us on instagram reddit or discord felt like i was forgetting some at dgus podcast uh and then if you want to support us go to the website dguspodcast.com there's a donate button on the upper right corner of the website there is also don't give up the ship apparel some naval pride and heritage gear you'll actually want to wear in public because it's awesome uh dguspapparel.com some new stuff inbound there i'm working on some designs uh and then uh the the main event patreon.com slash dguspodcast if you can support us financially and you want a bunch of sweet benefits uh, go check that out. Check out all the tiers. See which one's right for you and become a patron today. It helps us so much. Uh, I am not taking a paycheck from this. None of this goes in my pocket. It's all paying bills. It's paying for equipment. It's paying for services to expand the platform and just make a better product and and more resources for the listeners and the people that are engaging with the platform. Uh, so if you can do any of those things, we really appreciate it. If you don't got the funds, don't worry about it. Go subscribe on YouTube. Share the videos. Tag your friends and things. Uh, uh, engage on social media. You can review us on all the platforms for podcasts, all the kinds of anytime you share the content and help get the word out. It, it's a huge deal. And anytime you engage with those social media algorithms in a way that benefits the podcast and gets the gets it out to the people that need it, 
it's it's huge and we really appreciate it and won't cost you a dime uh so you can do that as well we appreciate anything that you can do to support us including just listening so thank you for doing that and with that that's all i got for you today thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship hey shout out to our level five patrons victoria living good and william mckiver we really appreciate you all our other patrons you're enabling us to do this thing and your support means everything thank you so much <laughs>